Get your family vehicles ready for summer driving with early Memorial Day deals at Dobbs. Click on GoToDobbs.com for money, save, retire, and service deals today. Dobbs. With 43 locations, real deals are always close by. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This is a Character and Smallman podcast on 101 ESPN. Guess what day it is? Huh? Hump day! Good morning and welcome to Hump Day on 101 ESPN. Character and Smallman, 702. Your time check brought to you by Clarkson Jewelers, an officially licensed Rolex jeweler. That's Michelle. I'm Randy and... It's kind of hump day because it's Wednesday, but we get to, if we want, sleep in on Friday. Yes, yeah, so we don't even have to work on th- on uh, Christmas Eve day, which is awesome. But we'll be back next Monday. Full week is, next week, right? Yes, we do have a full week, and then we'll, we're still recovering after New Year's, the Monday after New Year's. <laughs> yeah, I think we might need that extra day, especially January me 3rd? hosting. Ballpark Village New Year's Eve Live. It's going to be so much fun. If you haven't get your tickets already, by the way, they go up after Christmas in price. So if you're thinking of going, get your tickets today and use the promo code SMALLS and you'll get some money off. And you can find that on Michelle's socials, right? Just go to uh, Michelle's Insta at MSmallman. Yeah, there you go. And it's Michelle, it's Lux, it's Learn from Casey and you guys are going to have a great time, I know. It's going to be so fun. Are you a big New Year's Eve guy? I know Not, you're a big Christmas guy, but nev- I don't know about New Year's Eve. Never been a big New Year's Eve guy. As a matter of fact, many times in my life, I have worked on New Year's Eve. Well, I would imagine. Bowl yeah. games, things yeah. like that. Right. So, no, I'm not. I, I am one of the people that really like the idea. I love the idea of the Final Four taking place on New Year's Eve this year. Oh, yeah. I think it's going to be so fun. Yeah but you're not going to be able to watch them because you're going to be at Ballpark Village. Randy, hello. You can stream anything on your phone these days. Oh, this, this is true. <laughs> Come on. All right, here's what's going on in sports. First of all, the stupid Rams beat Ugh. the Seahawks last night. They're the worst. They've got a stupid stadium, a stupid owner, a stupid president. They're just a stupid team. You know what? They really have stupid uniforms. They're the worst. They are yeah. so stupid. Yep, and they take advantage of the era. By the, uh, let me tell you something. Cooper Cup is kind of like Barry Bonds in that he is <laughs> yeah. the he, he's the product of an era. Like we all know that Hank Aaron is the home run leader of all major league players, right? It's 755. And and Barry Bonds is not the all-time home run leader. Uh, <laughs> same thing with Cooper Cup. I think Bruce is the all-time receptions leader for a season with the with the Rams franchise with 119 in 1995 because they weren't playing pinball then. They, they were they were playing real football, and it's just a different game now because, well, defense has been legislated out of the game at this point. Yeah, uh, offensive players are treated with a different level of care. They sure are. I mean, Isaac took hits. Cooper Cup doesn't take hits. So that that's one separation. I know. I want Isaac to have any record that he holds now, but 
It would mean more, I think, if we still cheered for the Rams. Now it's almost like, let these new guys take over the records because I have no affinity or affection for the organization anyway. And Isaac Bruce is in the Hall of Fame, and you're never going to be able to take away what he did. By the way, horrifying news, and I I don't know if it happened last night because I I was going back and forth between the bowl game. But I saw that Tory Holt was trying to teach Cooper Cup and his teammates the bob and weave. No, no, Tory, no. That's a St. Louis thing. Tory, no. I take a deep breath. You. Hear what I'm telling you. Yeah. No. I, I agree. I, I love Tory Holt, one of my all-time favorites. But you do that, and they do that. We riot. Well, forget St. Louis. You're a Ram, but you're not a St. Louis Ram. No, you're you, not a St. Louis guy. You can't do that. No. no. So. And I'm sure his heart is in the right place, you know, good intentions, because he probably loves those guys. But they paid him all his money. And they have him there, and you're in, you're probably yep. in a suite being taken care of. No. No. Thank you, Michelle. The other game last night, the no. Eagles over the football team, 27-17. to 17. Uh, That game wasn't on here. Many times, though, when uh, the football team is on TV or there's a highlight of the football team, uh, we'll have Patrick and Katie and Randy in the family room. And a little chant will start. Not by me, by the way. It's football team, football team, football team. So my kids are pretty funny about that. It's pretty good. Yeah. I would think that they would stay the football team now. Why change now? You've become the WFT, and people have apparently embraced it in the Dallas, or Dallas, uh, in the Washington area. So why not just stay the football team? Why have a name? It's so neutral that no one can really hate it. And if they change it to something else, inevitably, there's a huge chunk of your fan base that's not going to like it. Right. So just right now, you actually are. That's exactly what you are as the Washington football team. Yeah. So just stay that way. Yeah. The Blues are not going to be playing until after Christmas. The NHL shut down until after Christmas. And so the Blues had their last practice before the shutdown yesterday. They can't return to the rink until the 27th. So everybody in the NHL is banned from going to the rink. So a lot of guys talked to the media yesterday, including Jordan Biddington, the Blues goalie, who had some issues with his helmet in the game in Winnipeg on Sunday. Yeah, I guess so the first time... uh... First, first one, you know, the strap came off, so the helmet's a little loose. Uh, I figured it was, you know, I figured it's uh, might be a little bit of a hazard, potentially, and um, so I just took it off the first time, and then uh, he kind of just said, just make sure you, you make some eye contact with me or let me know on the next time, and um, I said, all right, and then it uh, happened again, so... Um, Figured it was the same thing. I didn't. I didn't know whether there was a rule or not, but uh, I guess there is. I just felt, you know, like any. It can when you move, it's loose, so it could just slide off, pop off, whatever. But you can also play with it. It's just there's a slight chance that uh, something happens, and I just kind of took precaution and uh, got the whistle. But uh, took uh, took added some more penalty minutes to my uh, season high. He's got a little blackout rage. A little bit. Yeah. When he goes, and I said, all right. (laughs) (laughs) It's even, but you can feel that he's annoyed. But I get it. And goalies should be protected at all costs. Yes, of course. And if something like that happens, I don't think it should be a penalty. I think the official should come over and look and find out what the situation is with the helmet. And then if it is defective, like it was, 
get it fixed and then move on with the game. Yeah, you'd want to make sure that that was sturdy yeah. and in place. Yeah, if you're the NHL, if you're Gary Bettman, you want to protect the Jordan Binningtons of the world. Meanwhile, the NHL has pulled out of the Olympics now. Binnington on how he feels about the league doing so. Yeah, obviously still unknown about the uh, the roster, but it's always an incredible opportunity to represent your country and something that, you know, makes you proud, your family proud, uh, and you're playing for a country. And um, so if that opportunity was, was this year, and it's, uh, it's unfortunate, but um, obviously there's uh, a lot of things going on in, in the world, and, um, you know, it's, they're going to make the, the best decision for, for the situation, I think. And, um, you know, if that's what it is, it's, it's uh, put your head down and, and work for four years from now. And um, so, yeah. I mean, perfect answer from Jordan mm-hmm. Bennington. But if you were a player, Randy, how would you feel about this? If you knew you were going to represent your country in the Olympics? Because I think part of you, like Jordan Bennington expressed there, is that it's it's such a prideful thing to get to go out there and <clears throat> compete for your country and wear that uniform and have your family know that you're competing in the Olympics. It's such a rare and special opportunity. But also these are NHL players that are hoping, a lot of them, to come back and win a Stanley Cup and when you're playing in the Olympics it takes a lot out of you there's travel there's the you know the chance that you could experience a different set of fatigue if you Mm -hmm. go there what if you get injured there's a lot at risk there so how would you feel if you were an NHL player and you would or wouldn't go to the Olympics I'm sure that I would be on some level upset that we weren't going because if you're on that group that has the chance to go to China then you you want that opportunity. Like Jordan said, if you're a guy like Sidney Crosby, 37 years old, you want to play in one more Olympics. Chris Kreider, 32, 33 years old, finally playing well enough to be on an Olympic team. Probably will be too old next time yeah. we, we have an Olympics. If you're Bennington, you probably have another shot if you play well, but they need to be rational about it. And I would ultimately come to the realization that what the league is doing is the right thing because... I can't go to Russia and take the chance of getting COVID and be quarantined for five weeks. And the way things are right now in the world with the pandemic, I just read this morning that the Omicron virus is you're four times more likely to get it if you ride on an airplane. So so that's a bad thing. Great. Yeah. <laughs> so I, I think I would look at the statistics. I would look at what's happening uh, on in our world and I would say yeah it's probably not the best thing yeah rationally in your in your brain you can understand why you're not going but your heart is a different story and I think there's probably a lot of guys throughout the NHL that were really looking forward to getting the opportunity to not only compete for their country but a chance to win a medal how cool is that no doubt the bragging rights game brought to you by McBride Homes tonight at Enterprise Center Illinois is eight and three the Tigers six and five Illinois is a 13 point favorite Michelle Randy, they've been favored the past two seasons, the past two bragging rights games, and that hasn't mattered. Mizzou has beaten them. Mizzou on a three-game bragging rights win streak. I think that ends tonight. I just think that the Illini are going to be too much for this Mizzou team. But, you know, neutral court, different energy, this Mizzou team looking for something to fight for. You never know. And the over-under, 139 points. Mm. I'm going to bet the under on that one. Me too. Also tonight, Mizzou's football team in action at the – Lockheed Martin Armed Forces Bowl. That's on the big. Uh, that's on ESPN at seven o'clock tonight, and 
a really cool thing happened yesterday that you don't think is cool until you hear the explanation. That is, Tyler Beatty is not going to play in the Armed Forces Bowl for Mizzou. Here is Mizzou coach Eli Drinkwitz. You know, we had the conversation maybe in the latter parts of um, last week as we got into bowl prep um, and then had conversations with his parents. And, you know, his reaction was um, he, he is a tremendous competitor. He wanted to play and wants to play. And, and I knew it was weighing on his mind both ways. And I wanted to take that stress. And, and I say I, but we, uh, Curtis Luke and myself and our staff, wanted to take the stress off of him and not put him in a position of having to pick between um, himself and his future in our football team. As a captain, I know he wanted to play, um, but, you know, again, as a staff, we felt like at this point we needed to do what was in his best interest after he has given so much for us and our football team. Here's a coach that gets a, a financial bonus from winning a bowl game, and he goes to Tyler Beatty's parents, says, what do you think? Goes to Tyler Beatty and says, what do you think? And then Tyler Beatty says, I want to play. And ultimately, after consulting with the coaching staff and consulting with the parents and Tyler Beatty taking a little bit more measured approach, Eli Drinkwitz is the one that decides, you know what, we have to be concerned about your future, not our bowl game against Army. A lot of these coaches, as you mentioned, they have their own agendas. And publicly, they say that they care about these young men and about their future. And it's about making sure that they're positioned in the right way, whether it's from their athletic career or their ac academic career to be better people once they graduate from a university. Eli Drinkwitz is not just about the talk. He walks the walk as well. And I would imagine that that helps him if you're going to get in somebody else's living room and you're going to talk to parents. This is a very concrete example you can give them about actually caring about the well-being and the future of the of the guys that you're coaching. You're recruiting. If you are Curtis Looper, the, the running backs coach at Mizzou, you're Eli Drinkwitz, and you're recruiting a running back, you give the parents... Tyler Beatty's parents' phone number, and you give the running back Tyler Beatty's number. You say, here, if you need a reference, just call this guy and find out what he has to say. He played for me for a couple of years. Isn't it refreshing to see a head football coach in college sports, especially in the SEC, um, actually take their their self out of it and yeah. do something that's, that's for the good best for the someone else? Yeah, it's, it's amazing. And clearly, they think that they have enough running backs to get by tonight. Otherwise, and this isn't a Final Four game either. This is a different situation. It's a lot, all due respect to Lockheed Martin. It's the Lockheed Martin Armed Forces Bowl. I mean, there's going to be 10 people watching. Well, you'll be one of them. I'll be flipping back and forth, absolutely. I'll be at the bragging rights game. I know you so will. So I'll be checking the score, but no, not necessarily going to uh, change my, my sports plans to tune into the bowl game. That's Michelle. I'm Randy, and it is Wednesday, and that means it's Ask Uncle Randy Day. If you have a question for Uncle Randy on this holiday season, feel free to ask it. Text in 65780. That's our Air Comfort Service text line. We want to hear from you. Ask Uncle Randy is next on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the Character and Smallman podcast on 101 ESPN. Got a question for Uncle Randy? Let him dive into his infinite well filled with wisdom to find you answers. Text 65780. It's Ask Uncle Randy on 101 ESPN. We appreciate your texts to the Air Comfort Service text line 65780, a pre-Christmas edition of Ask Uncle Randy. And Michelle, I'm sure that people are kind of on edge as they head into the holiday season. Yes. A lot of people still looking for gifts or Love. wondering. 
yes, or love, or wondering how to handle certain things, mm-hmm. certain issues around the holidays. Uh, like this one, Randy, from the 314. Dear Uncle Randy, every year I give my son a gag gift at Christmas. A couple years ago, he got a snow shovel. Last year, he got Bob Ross socks and underwear. Give me a fresh idea, please. Thank you so much. Oh, man, that's uh, right off the top of my head. A gag gift for... Okay, so a snow shovel's funny. The Bob Ross stuff is funny. I We don't do gag gifts very often, so I, I'm going to have to put some thought into this. I, I will, have one. Okay. I, and I only know this because yesterday I was at the Missouri Athletic Club, mm-hmm. and my trainer, Paul, was telling me he was at uh, a holiday party and was doing a white elephant game or a rob your neighbor game mm-hmm. or whatever. And what he ended up with was two garden gnomes. One was Biggie and one was Tupac. Oh, that's And I thought awesome. that was hilarious. Yeah, that's a great idea. It's funny. It's something that you could actually put in your yard that's pretty comical, but it's not something you would likely ever buy yourself. Right. Yeah, that's that's the key is something that you would never get that you would give to somebody else that's kind of unusable for them. Although a snow shovel comes in handy, and so do the Bob Ross things. Yeah, um, everybody needs socks. Yeah. I'll put some thought into this as we go along. Okay, marinate on that one. From the 636, Dear Uncle Randy, will we ever have another NFL team in St. Louis? That's from Ken. Ken, I'm guessing that 10, 15 years down the road, there might be a possibility. But one of the things that's going to have to happen is that our community is going to have to start growing again. The city is going to have to start attracting businesses. The region, since 1969, has not experienced greater than 1% growth in any year. That's a big part of what the NFL looks for, is they want market size. And... The other part of it is, is when I say 10, 15 years, you're going to have to have people like our current politicians and business leaders out of the picture. And they're in their probably 50s, 60s, or politically, they aren't going to be around that long. And then on the NFL side, you're going to have to have people like Jones and Kroenke die off and Goodell not be the commissioner anymore. So (laughs) I'm saying that you're probably 10, 15 years away at best, but... Our community has a lot of work to do, especially the city has a lot of work to do in regards to getting safer and getting more productive from a business standpoint. But you're saying there's a chance. Yeah, probably not in my lifetime, but I'm saying there's a chance, yeah. From the 314, Dear Uncle Randy, my coworker, who I have a romantic history with, decided that we can't be friends outside of work anymore now that my fiance and I have set our wedding date. I'm upset, but does this seem like a fair decision by this coworker after she and my fiance have become good friends? We've all hung out multiple times already outside of work without issue. Thank I, you. Yeah, I, I think that's fine on her part. Uh, the, the, you are outside of the friend zone now. You have, with that romantic history and the fact that she is engaged now, yeah, that kicking you out of the friend zone is not a bad thing. It's it's not bad for you or for her. Even though the friend and the fiance are friends now. Yeah, it's just a different animal when you're you're friends with a former romantic partner. And now you're engaged to somebody. I do think that does change the dynamic a little bit. You never want to be, well, I'm not, you, you don't want to get yourself in a situation where she's engaged or married and you're the shoulder to cry on. I think he's the one that's getting married and the coworker is the, is the oh, ro- I, romantic history. So he's engaged he's and engaged. she's saying, I still think, yeah, friend zone, no friend zone. No, not allowed. 
Yeah, it's him because okay, he engaged. says and my fiance. Okay. Yeah, I still think that uh, yeah, removing the friend zone aspect of things is a smart move on her part. The former romantic partner. From the 314, Darren Gorini, my grandpa lost my grandma this month on the 4th. They were together for 67 years. Wow, sorry. And her birthday is on Christmas. Sorry. That's so sad. And her birthday is on Christmas Eve. Can you imagine 67 years with someone? That's yeah. so difficult. Her birthday is on Christmas Eve. What should our family do to make sure my grandpa's doing okay this Christmas season? Have him with you. Have him be around him, whether he's in a retirement home. Hopefully it's open now and uh, he, you're able to get there. But... Yeah, spend time with him. That's that's what he wants most is time with his family. That's what he needs most. So that's all. And if you can't be with him, then make sure that everybody, I don't know if he has the ability to FaceTime, but make sure that he hears everybody's voice. Just give him a call and make sure that he hears everybody's voice. Yeah, if you can be with him, don't let, don't let him be alone. No. No, that'd be terrible. Yeah, that is terrible. From the 314, Darren Randy, I brought a white elephant gift to a party, but the person who gave me the original gift was there. How do I get out of that <laughs> you one? You re-gifted, huh? And with the person there. Never good. Well, the thing is, you can say, that was such a good idea that I went and got one, too. That'd be my play. That There you go. Yeah. So a little that, white that's lie? Like the, the, a white lie for that, a white elephant? That is the, the best white elephant gift I ever got. So I had to give one to somebody else. Yeah, re-gifting. It's look into it. It's not a bad thing. What regifting? Yeah. Do you regift? It has happened. Really? Yeah. You can never regift a gift card. Well, I guess you could regift a gift card, huh? Yeah. Who know? It doesn't say you got this gift card right. from. Like if I gave yeah. you a gift card and you regift it to Andrew, it's not going to say when you swipe the card, Michelle Smallman exactly. purchased this card. As long as it's not on the card where it's, where it's got the two from, right? That's <laughs> right. Cross that up. Yeah. Um, from the 314. By the way, isn't that, I don't know if in your family and among your friends, you call them two froms, but that's what we call them in our house. The, I've the, never heard the, that. The tags. Yeah. Two hey, froms? Do, do we have any two, any two froms? I've never heard that <laughs> oh, before. Okay. That's so clever. Yeah. No, we just say, I guess. Gift tags. Gift or, tag. Yeah. yeah. Okay. I've never thought about it, but two froms are awesome. Yeah. I love that. So let's get to this next one from the 314. Darren Uncle Randy, who do you think will score more in the first half, Mizzou basketball or Mizzou football? Okay. I think Army is in the football game is probably going to control the clock. I'm saying that the basketball team outscores the football team like 13 to 10. I'm going to take the basketball team. And it's not going to be great. Bold choice. <laughs> From the 636, Dear Uncle Randy, I'm trying to think of something delicious to make on the Traeger for Christmas. Any tips? Okay, I'm assuming that this is a meal. You you can't go wrong. And I know Michelle will not be happy with this, but Traeger has a great brined turkey recipe on their website. The, the holiday turkey is fantastic. If you want, because I don't think that, tell me if I'm wrong here, I don't think there is one singular idea for a holiday meal like you don't have to stick with poultry or beef or something like that if you have the time and normally during christmas day you do put a brisket on go get a brisket today and put a brisket on and it'll be delicious and if you're making things on the traeger get the carrot cake working yeah that's on the traeger website the carrot cake recipe delicious. Traeger might be put to work today as a matter of fact at the character household. Oh. We'll see. Carrot cake? Maybe, maybe not. Oh, interesting. For maybe one of our co-worker friends who loves the carrot cake. 
Could happen. Perhaps. <laughs> Last one, Randy, from the 314. Did you see that greatest show on turf t-shirt that Odell had on yesterday? What is happening? I did, yeah. Odell uh, showing some love, and apparently they have a hoodie as well. They aren't the greatest show on turf there, and he's never going to be part of a greatest show on turf, so that's as close as he'll ever get. But what do you think about Tori, as you mentioned in the first segment, showing the bob and weave to some of those guys, the current players on the Rams wearing the greatest show on turf shirts? That's We, we get emotional about that in St. Louis because that's our team. That's the one thing that we can still cling to as something that's ours when it comes to the Rams, and now they're trying to hijack that? Well, they'll never experience it, though. We actually had the games here, and we actually showed up for the games here, and we lived it. We, we lived going to a couple of Super Bowls and having the greatest offense in the history of the league. They scored 20 points last night. They are no greater show on turf. Uh, they aren't a, they've, they've got some really good players, but they aren't anything close to even the Chiefs of last year. So I'm not worried about that. The, the closest they and their fans and their owner will ever get to the greatest show on turf is wearing a T-shirt. Yeah, but I still don't like it. Uh, you don't have to, but... Hey, you know what? That's what they have to cling to. In L.A., they have to cling to St. Louis. Mm, right? That, yeah. So that's I, I'm not too worried about it. Thanks, Michelle. You're welcome. And thanks for your text to the Air Comfort Service text line 65780. Next up, NFL News and Notes on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the Character and Smallman podcast on 101 ESPN. <laughs> A few NFL news and notes for you on Carriker and Smallman with their win last night over Seattle. The L.A. Rams are now 10-4, and four, and from a record standpoint, they're t- still tied with Arizona atop the NFC West. They're now tied, I should say, with Arizona atop the NFC West. However, if both teams finish with the same record, if the playoffs started today, Arizona would win a tiebreaker over the Rams based on the best winning percentage in division games. But there are still division games to be played. Still in the hunt. Looks like they're going to get in. But, Randy, take it or leave it. The 49ers are the most dangerous team in the NFC West. I would say they are. That's a team that nobody wants to play. Nick Wagner, our friend, uh, native of the east side and a Mizzou grad, and now the ESPN writer for ESPN is going to, for the 49ers, is going to join us at 930 to talk about the Niners. Packers are the only team in the NFC to have clinched a division, and they hold a commanding advantage if they want to be the top seed in the NFC. All they have to do is win out. Dallas is number two right now. Tampa Bay number three. The Cardinals four and the Rams five. Then it gets really interesting. San Francisco is number six, but you have the Vikings at seven and seven. They hold a tiebreaker advantage at the moment. Vikings at seven and seven, but then in the hunt, out of the playoffs at the moment, the Eagles at seven and seven, the Saints at seven and seven. With their loss last night, Washington falls to six and eight, and the Falcons are also six and eight. Which of those bubble teams would you like to see get in? All the seven and seven and six and eight. I think the most intriguing would be Minnesota if they can get one of their defensive backs back or defensive ends back, Danell Hunter, with the way that Kirk Cousins has played this year, with the running game that they have with Dalvin Cook. If they can get a pass rush going, I think they're really dangerous. Got their linebackers back last week. They've got a good defensive backfield. Their offensive line is good. They really don't have much going against them at the moment, except for Kirk Cousins' history. But he's got 27 touchdowns and six interceptions this year. He's he's the second-best quarterback in the NFC this year. I'm really intrigued by the Eagles and what their future looks like if they get into the playoffs and what they 
how how the perception of Jalen Hurts may or may not be shifted over these next few weeks. I mean, three touchdowns in the in the win last night, but I think a lot of people assume that he might be a stopgap guy until Philly inevitably drafts somebody or gets somebody else. But Jalen Hurts has a real great opportunity to prove that he could in fact be the guy in Philly. That team now has rushed for 175 yards in seven consecutive games. And he's obviously a big part of it. They're building their offense around him. And if I were the Eagles, I would do that. I, I would build around him as well. Meanwhile, as you look at the AFC playoff picture, we mentioned Green Bay, the top seed in the NFC. Right now in the AFC, it is Kansas City at 10-4, and four, the Patriots and the Titans at 9-5. and five. Cincinnati is at 8-6. and six. By the way, the Titans and the 49ers play tomorrow night. That's a huge game in the playoff implications in both conferences. Indy is 8-6. and six. They hold the number 5 seed right now. Indy and Arizona also play this week on Saturday night. That's a huge game. Then the Chargers are 8-6. and six. Buffalo is at New England this week. If Buffalo wins that game, they'll be back in first in the AFC East. And then Baltimore at 8-6. and six. And the Steelers at 7-6-1. and one. And that tie may really work to the Steelers' advantage if they can win out, which who would have ever thought that they could. But the, the tie might be the reason that they're in the playoffs. I would have never expected them to win out. Still don't. <laughs> no, and if you look at their schedule, and I, I get that they're playing well. Uh, they beat the Titans last week, which was huge. But they have to go to Kansas City, then they're home against Cleveland, and then they have to go to Baltimore. So they're going to have their hands full, and I'm with you. I would be stunned if they would be able to win the rest of their games. That Colts... Cardinals matchup is so intriguing mm -hmm. because I think maybe even two weeks ago you would have assumed Arizona would absolutely destroy them just the way that they've been playing but the Colts are sneaky dangerous I don't even know if it's so sneaky anymore they're they're a dangerous team in Arizona I think they've lost four of their last seven yep. are showing a little bit of vulnerability obviously uh you know as with a lot of teams in the NFL have dealt with injuries have been uh banged up a bit but I don't know. I, I don't think that that's an easy game for the Cardinals by any means. You lose arguably the best receiver in the league in DeAndre Hopkins. Mm -hmm. You already don't have J.J. Watt. Last week, Isaiah Simmons, their great young linebacker, got hurt. And one thing that's going to happen, especially with J.J. Watt out, is that the Colts are going to keep the ball away from them. So when they have the football, Kyler Murray's going to have to do things with it. And if I'm the head coach of the Cardinals, Cliff Kingsbury... I'm going to do some things, fake punts, onside kicks, to try to steal possessions away. Because to me, that's the only way you can hang with the Colts with Jonathan Taylor running the way he is. Because you can't stop him. The Buccaneers have put Leonard Fournette, or will put Leonard Fournette on injured reserve today. And Tampa Bay has signed Le'Veon Bell. So Le'Veon Bell and Antonio Brown, why don't they just get Ben Roethlisberger and put the Killer Bees back together? There you go. I think that they've got a different B. Oh. Under center. Okay. Yeah. Who is a killer bee of, him, of his own? It's a new killer bees. There you go. I like that idea of uh, the new killer bees. Yeah. And if, I, can I, we add anybody else? I was just thinking of that. But I think those two guys probably, no disrespect to Big Ben and their time with Ben, he was a different quarterback. But I think now they, they're okay with the current bee that they have in Tom Brady. Oh, yeah. I think so. <laughs> Tyreek Hill put on the COVID list by the Chiefs. So he'll miss this week's game, and that'll be a difficult ta task for the uh, the Kansas City Chiefs and Aaron Rodgers is about to break Brett Favre's all-time touchdown pass record with the Packers 443 and Favre says that he, he's telling Rodgers and 
Packers fans to enjoy and savor this because he didn't think that he did enough. He's, so he's saying, hey, this is a big deal. So when you do it, enjoy it. It's interesting to see both of them be so reflective and introspective about this moment and what it means to not only both of them, but to the organization as a whole and their place in history within the organization. And especially to see Aaron Rodgers say that these are the good times. And after talking with Brett Favre, as you mentioned, he said to savor it because that's an interesting dichotomy of someone who is trying to savor what they're doing in real time while also probably having one foot out the door or wanting to leave while you're in the middle of accomplishing something great and having a chance to potentially win a Super Bowl. Well, that's the thing. So much is going on because of the fact that they're fighting for top seed in the playoffs because it could be his last season in Green Bay. That might be something when you throw touchdown pass 444, you you might not embrace it as much as you should. And clearly Favre did not, and he's telling Rodgers, hey, you better enjoy this. You know, I don't know what goes on behind closed doors clearly Aaron Rodgers feels a certain type of way about the way he's been treated in Green Bay and about the drafting of Jordan Love whether he says that publicly or not and he wanted his way out for whatever reasons but Randy I look at this almost like the Albert Pujols situation where I'm looking at someone who is great and who could go anywhere and likely make that team better regardless of the personnel around them. And maybe the living circumstances are better or maybe you get more money, but you have a chance to win and you're doing it in a place where it means more than anywhere else. You have a place in history for a franchise where it matters, where you're you're revered and the people there are devoted to you and devoted to this team and you want out i just it's very hard for me to compute i believe and he's never said this rogers hasn't but you just look at the lay of the land peyton manning goes to denver and wins the super bowl brady goes to tampa and wins the super bowl i think he thinks oh i'm going to go somewhere else and i'm going to be the guy that wins them a super bowl right now it would probably be denver but I'm with you. So many quarterbacks have been traded or moved on that haven't won elsewhere. The guys that won, Brady and Manning, they're the exception to the rule. And I think sometimes the old term, the grass is greener, applies. I think most of the time it applies to athletes. And if I were Rodgers, I would be more inclined to look at the Albert Pujols situations an iconic player in a great place. Le'Veon Bell is another one. Not iconic, but went somewhere else. A lot of Steelers guys have, but you don't win elsewhere. It's never the same as it was or would have been had you finished your career someplace else. His team is sitting atop the NFC right now. He has a better chance to win where he currently resides than he does anywhere else. And I know that Tom Brady is the mold and he probably thinks he can follow that same path go somewhere else and get autonomy and have a bigger say but matt lafleur is playing to aaron Rodgers' strengths for all intents and purposes they have a good relationship and they clearly work well together right and from yeah. a football standpoint are very very symbiotic and i just wonder what he's seeking elsewhere because it seems like well, his current situation is pretty darn good he seems like kind of a weird guy he might not even know what he wants he might just be looking at those guys and saying, I want what those guys have. I just want to move. Maybe he does just want to move. It could be. 
Thanks, Michelle. That's Michelle. I'm Randy. NFL News and Notes on 101 ESPN. Coming up, get your text into the Air Comfort Service. Text line 65780. Time for Take It or Leave It on Carriker and Smallman. We're right back to the Carriker and Smallman podcast on 101 ESPN. Take it or leave it. Give us your feedback now by texting 65780. It's Take It or Leave It with Carriker and Smallman on 101 ESPN. Powered by Gloria Lou Realty. Visit GloriaHasTheBuyers.com and start packing. Time for Take It or Leave It on 101 ESPN. Get your text into the Air Comfort Service text line. Michelle, Randy, Andrew with you. 65780, by the way, is the Air Comfort Service text line. Michelle, I saw most of the Seahawks lost to the Rams last night, and I looked this morning, and Russell Wilson this year is 20th in completion percentage in the NFL, 20th in touchdown passes, 10th in passer rating. Take it or leave it, Russell Wilson isn't worth a haul of draft picks after this season for a team like the Giants or the Saints. I'm going to leave that, um, particularly when it comes to the Giants, because even though Russell Wilson isn't having a typical Russell Wilson type season, I know that he's dealt with you know the injuries, the hand injury and all of that. If I'm the Giants, I'm looking at one of the best quarterbacks that we've seen in years, a proven winner, a guy that's hungry to go somewhere else, and that will immediately change the shape of my franchise. So I'm willing to give up a lot for that. He doesn't look like he has the deep ball anymore. He used to be the best deep ball thrower in the game. And now, I don't know if at his age, if he can get that back. I, I think that I would give up a lot for him, but I don't know if I'm going to give up like two number ones and two number twos at this stage of his career. Okay, um, take it or leave it. If you're a Giants fan and you heard that that package was on the table for Russell Wilson and the Giants declined, you'd be furious. I, yeah, I'll take that. Yep, that's a good way to look at it. How are you going to explain that to your fan base? We had the opportunity to get Russell Wilson. Yeah. And we didn't want to give up the draft cap capital for him. We we chose our future after we've already proven that we're not great at assessing young quarterbacks yeah, and building through the draft over a proven winner. They need the optics more than a lot of franchises would. And they'll have a new GM, too, that'll have some cachet. By the way, the Matthew Stafford Hall was Goff, two first-rounders, and a third-rounder. And... Russell Wilson has won a Super Bowl and never had a losing season until this season. So my guess would, and the same age, my guess would be the value would be similar. So you're talking about a good quarterback, not Daniel Jones, but two first rounders. You probably have to give up four items, probably two first rounders, a second and a third. If you're going to get Russell Wilson, I would think that would be a, the, the price based on his history that you're looking for. I, I would start the conversation at three first. You're not going to get it, but I would at least try. Yeah. Hey, somebody got three firsts for RG3. Oh, man. <laughs> that turned out really well. Yeah, it did. <laughs> he's great on ESPN, though. Love he, him as yeah, a commentator. Yeah, he's doing well. Yeah. yeah. Found his gig. Uh, <laughs> okay, so that yours was about the Giants fans being furious. Can yes. I give you one more then? Yes, of course. The Lakers lost to the Suns last night. They're 16-16 and 16 after 32 games without Anthony Davis now for the next month. Take it or leave it. From what you've seen so far, the Lakers are capable of going 34 and 16 the rest of the way. 16 and 16 now. They're capable of going 34 and 16 and being a 50-win team this year. 
You know, I don't even really know who the Lakers are yet. Neither so does LeBron. I don't. Yeah, I actually was reading that that he doesn't know what their identity is. I feel like in the NBA right now, it's really hard to determine what teams you think are going to be able to be that good because of everything that the NBA has been dealing with. So I'll leave it right now just because I'm unsure. The West goes through Golden State. Yes, it does. And then Phoenix. The Lakers would at best be number three and maybe even behind Utah on that list. And that's if they get everybody healthy. But they might get, they aren't going to be buried in terms of not making the playoffs. But they might be buried in terms of being in a play-in situation without AD for the next four weeks. All right, what do we have on the text line, Andrew? All right, from the 636, take it or leave it, Mizzou sweeps both games tonight. Yeah, I'm going to leave that. Come on. I <laughs> Yeah, I'm going to leave it too. I and I. How about how about this one? Take it or leave it. It's a sweep of Mizzou in both games tonight. I think that's probably more likely. Take it or leave it. You would bet the over if Army's rushing total over under is 274 and a half. I would bet the over. I would too. <laughs> I'm going to too. That really scares me to have the number, I think, 124 rush defense for the Tigers and Army is the number two rush offense in the league. That's or in a, the nation. It's a mismatch. Yeah, that aspect of the game is totally a mismatch. What was the over-under in the Army-Navy? I think it was like 36 and a half. And yeah. that hit the under. So, I mean, if Navy can do it. But I, I'm just talking about rushing yards here. Okay. I'm so. just trying to be optimistic, okay. Randy. Take it or leave it. Mike Tomlin pulls a Paul Maurice after the Pittsburgh Steelers are out of the playoff race. Leave it. He's just too competitive. And he's not going to say there's no way that Mike Tomlin will ever say I've lost the ear of my team. No. That they need a different voice. And I don't think that not only would he ever say it, I don't think that he ever would lose the ear. No, that's the other thing. His players will never say it either. (laughs) No, never. He just needs to start playing music during practice, right? Right. If he does that, then he'll get the ear. Simple fix. Simple fix. I wonder who plays quarterback for them next year. Now, if you, that's one thing. If you're Wilson or Rodgers, if you want to win, I mean, they've got three good receivers. They need to fix their offensive line. Oh, man. They, they've got a great young running back. They've got a great defense. And they've got Mike Tomlin. Which of those two guys would you prefer to see go to Pittsburgh? Wilson. Russell, Russell Wilson or Aaron Rodgers. See, I would love to see Aaron Rodgers go there. I want Aaron Rodgers to stay in Green Bay, or I think that that's a great spot for him. Mm-hmm. Clearly, Russell Wilson wants out, and it seems like a – an easier transition out of town for him Mm -hmm. based on the state of the team. I just think from a football decision, it's probably an easier choice. Um, But gosh, imagine Aaron Rodgers playing for Mike Tomlin. That would be fun. Wearing that uniform. That would be pretty fun. I wonder if they give him number 12. I wonder if they've retired 12 for Bradshaw. I would think so. I would imagine. I don't remember seeing a number 12 for them since Bradshaw. From the 636, take it or leave it. Wayno's number 50 is eventually retired by the Cardinals. Certainly unofficially. Nobody will ever wear number 50 again. It won't, it'll be like Willie because they only retire numbers for Hall of Famers now. But nobody will ever wear it again. So it won't be up on the wall. It won't be officially retired, but it'll be unofficially retired and won't be issued anymore. That's saying that we're assuming he's not going to make it to the Hall of Fame. Mm-hmm. I'm assuming that. But what if the Cardinals win the World Series this season and he hits different milestones? You know, he and Yachty are going to be the all-time battery. He's still got a couple milestones ahead of him that could really bolster that Hall of Fame resume. give me a take it or leave it. Uh, Adam Adam Wainwright wins the Hall of Fame. Give me that teal. Randy, take it or leave it. Adam Wainwright goes to the Hall of Fame. Leave it. (laughs) I'm going to leave it. That's a lot of ifs. 
I know. <laughs> but th- but it could happen. He's in the People Hall of Fame. Stranger things have happened. Not many, though. <laughs> From the 636, take it or leave it. The best part about Christmas is when it's all over and life goes back to normal. Leave what? it. Oh, my god! I know. Bah humbug, right? Yeah. yeah. I didn't know that Grinch could text with those furry fingers. People are supposed to be nice at this time of year and smile at each other and be giving. Supposed to. Yeah. So uh, let's take that upon ourselves over the course of the next couple of days. Let's be nice to each other. Let's not honk at somebody who's sitting at a green light. Are you hearing that text line? Be nice. Yeah. The the text line generally is nice. No, I'm just saying everybody should take this and go forth in their life. Absolutely, yeah. Don't don't wish for Christmas to be over. We could use the Christmas spirit all year long. That's true. Also, you're talking about life going back to normal. At Christmas, you get get time off. Mm Mm-hmm. Why would you want to go back to normal when you don't get time off? Great point, Michelle. Thank you, Andrew. You're welcome. Yeah, so we're off on Friday. Tomorrow is Thursday. Today is Wednesday. I got this down, this day thing. So we're off Friday. Yes. But we'll be back on Monday. Right. And then the following Friday, we're working. Right. But then the Monday after that, we're off. Correct. Okay. So just so you know, we want to, we want to make sure that... You know, and we're going to have best of material. It's going to be great. You're going to love what you hear on Friday morning. As you're driving around picking up food at Schnucks on Friday morning, you're going to love the character and Smallman best of. Brought to you by our host of that show, Andrew Marsh. I'll be listening. I will too. There's no. I'm going to be up at seven. I can't wait. I'm going to be. I Set might even just. I might come in here and sit here and listen to it. You know, I'm not going to go that far. <laughs> but you know, the worst part about having a day off is when your body clock. You don't set your alarm clock. To get you up at four thirty or five or whatever, but your body clock gets you up. Yeah, I, just I worry there. about that. Andrew doesn't worry about that, but no, I, no, I think he can sleep in. <laughs> Randy, rumor has it the weather on Friday is quote unquote golf weather. Golf weather. <gasps> That's what we're hearing. Rumor go. has it. Yeah. You gonna go out there, Andrew? Are we playing? We'll see if we I don't know, Randy. Are we? <laughs> I don't know. We. Is it we'll, a date, guys? We'll have to. I won't be there, but. We'll have to uh, discuss this. We'll play it by ear. We, we will. Coming up next, Major League Baseball in the midst of a lockout as we hit the holidays. How long is this going to last? That's next on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the Character and Smallman podcast on 101 ESPN. A fresh perspective on the day's biggest stories. It's Carriker and Smallman's Fresh Take. Brought to you by Schnucks. Get the app that gets you. Download the Schnucks Rewards app today. in St. Louis. Your time check brought to you by Clarkson Jewelers, an officially licensed Rolex jeweler. In his most recent piece at The Athletic, Evan Drellich writes of the MLB lockout. He questions, why aren't the sides locked in a room right now trying to hammer out a deal almost every day this month? People with knowledge of the process said the sides would likely be saying the same things to each other over and over. There's little compelling them to change their positions at this point, save for the damage of having a sport that's frozen, but the owners were clearly willing to take on that risk. The calendar, and specifically the approach of spring training in early February, will create leverage for both sides. But that means that in January, a lot of work will need to be completed in about a month's time or less if spring training is to start at time. Michelle, I don't think that the powers that be in baseball and in the Players Association are aware enough of 
the amount of work they need to do to start early enough to get it done in time to save the season. But Randy, how are they not aware? This is what drives me crazy. You're in the middle of this. You're in the eye of the storm. If anyone should have a sense of urgency and anyone should understand the unbelievable mountain you need to climb to get all of this done so that no spring training is missed, it should be the people in the middle of it. This happens with baseball all the time. And we heard a hockey agreement come out during the pandemic out of nowhere because they were talking and they understood the ramifications of not negotiating and putting a season in jeopardy. Same thing with the NFL. Last time they had a work stoppage was during the offseason of 2011, but they came to an agreement most recently pretty much out of nowhere. They quietly did it. And this happened, the NBA, I mean, they're total syncopato with the Players Association and and the league. They're about as transparent as you could be. Right. That is a valid, real partnership. And the problem is, A, there's no desire on the part of these two partners to be partners. They don't trust each other. They don't want to to trust each other. And the other thing is, is that they think that magically they're going to get into a room and somebody's going to change their opinion. What has to happen? And I could do this. And I have no idea about union negotiations or being a lawyer. But what I could do is be the union negotiator or I could be the owner's negotiator and I'm going to go to my guys and say, okay, what are the three most important things for you? Owners, what are the three most important things when I come out of this negotiation that you have to have? And if I'm Tony Clark and Bruce Meyer, I'm going to the players and I'm saying, get that executive committee. Okay, what are the three most important things that you have to have? And get into a room and start hammering away at six little things. Now, six big things. Those are the the biggest things. But what you do is if your ownership and the, the, the owners say, okay, well, we've already negotiated expanded playoffs with the networks. We need to have expanded playoffs. You call up Bruce Meyer if you're Rob Manfred or the the negotiator for the players or the owners and you say, okay, let's get in room and today let's work on just this expanded playoffs. What's this going to look like? Because we need it. You're Bruce Meyer. You go to the players and they say, okay, we need shorter time to arbitration, shorter time to free agency. You call up the owner's negotiator and you say, Okay, this is the one thing. We're going to meet in a conference room in Dallas. It's going to be me and you, and maybe you get an assistant and I get an assistant, but it's only going to be a few people. What's this going to look like so that we can get arbitration down to two years and we can get free agency down to five for a player? How can we work on this specific problem? And force yourself. It's it's no different than a marriage. Force yourself to negotiate this thing out so that incrementally you can work on things that will get you towards the end of an agreement it's it's logical to me it seems smart but i don't think they are and what would be an absolutely brilliant move is if they were hammering out issue by issue if they would agree to leak that to the media so that the fans could see progress was being made so they could say they still have a lot of issues to overcome but today a lot of headway was made in regards to expanded playoffs it seems like that's something that is done and that they're they're ready to put to bed which gives fans hope that they'll be able to overcome all the other issues and that this thing will be wrapped up soon but but they don't want to do that because if they actually cared about getting this done and they actually cared about the vitality of their product, they would have used the actual deadline of December 1st Mm -hmm. as, as the real deadline and had a sense of urgency to get it done before then. And one of the problems here, and we talk about how vocal some of these guys are, and I don't know how the 
players or the owner's negotiator is. But Bruce Meyer, the owner's or player's negotiator, he told the media, he said, I want them to not like me. I want to be a jerk. If your goal in life is to be a Richard, then that's a problem. And maybe they need to give a guy that's a little bit more conciliatory, like Michael Weiner was. The guy who died, he negotiated the last agreement before the 2016 one. And owners liked him and players liked what they had. And this isn't a situation where you can go to a bunch of billionaires and say, this is the way it's going to be. You aren't dealing with auto companies. You aren't dealing with an entity that is publicly owned. You're dealing with a bunch of people that made billions being jerks. So you can't be a jerk to them. You have to be conciliatory. And if I'm Bruce Meyer, again, I'm saying, okay, I know that you lost money in 2020 and you lost money in 2021 and you don't want to lose money in 2022. So here's what's going to happen. The only thing that we have left as players, the only thing that we can do is withhold our services. We don't want to do that. So let's get to work right now and try to make it so that you don't lose any money and we don't withhold our services and lose money too. Which sounds, again, very rational. And if you're heading into these negotiations and and your big thing that you have in your chest is that you could withhold your services and the owner certainly don't want that to happen if you're if you're willing to do that you better be ready for the ramifications if you're the players because if Mm -hmm. you're the owners it's much easier to get a small group of owners who have billions of dollars to stay united and play the waiting out game than it is to get all of the players to who have varying degrees of salaries, by the way, and varying degrees of life circumstances to stay unified. If they're going to play the waiting out game, the owners will always win. And the fact that 33 players are making 51% of the money among players in Major League Baseball should be alarming to the other 770 or so players. I, I would think that the the... The power should come from the middle to the bottom. Unfortunately for the players, the power is coming from the Scherzers and the the 33 guys. Uh, I I hate to just single him out, but he's a Boris guy and he's in the union's executive committee. So he's kind of the face of the players. He's not going to win the PR battle and he shouldn't win the PR battle with the players. He's not working for the baseball player that is trying to make $4 million in 2022. He's working for the guys that are trying to make 25, 30, 35. Yeah. He's not taking care of the guy that's 32 years old, a left-handed bat off the bench that he could make life-changing money, three and a half, four million dollars. That's not who Max Scherzer is interested in representing. What's interesting to me about this is, okay, I think St. Louis is a pretty interesting place to get a sample size of the baseball fan because we're kind of an outlier when it comes to baseball markets because this is a passionate and rabid baseball market. We could talk Cardinals baseball 365 days a year and you would get zero complaints from people. Absolutely. People here love Cardinal baseball. They love baseball in general. And guess what's happened over the past few weeks? We have not talked about baseball at all. And if we've talked about baseball, we're talking about this. We're talking about infighting. We're talking about fans being annoyed. And guess what's happened? Life has moved on. We've talked blues hockey. We're talking college basketball. We're talking about the NFL playoff picture. We're talking about things that are happening with the Olympics and COVID. And what baseball doesn't realize is that 
they aren't necessary anymore. Even to a place like St. Louis with gambling the way that it is, even in a place that does not have an NFL team, people will listen to the NFL because of fantasy and because of gambling and things like that. You do not hold the position that you once did. Life goes on without you. And the longer that you're out of the spotlight and the longer that you're not being relevant in the minds of the sports fan, the the better chance you have of them not wanting to come back to you. Right. This the, is not that difficult for them to comprehend. The cynics among us would call baseball the national past its prime rather than the national pastime. I would not argue with you on that one. And I just wish that they could, as as Evan Drellich said, get in a room, lock yourselves in there, and hammer this out. Shouldn't be that difficult. That's Michelle. I'm Randy. Coming up, Bernie Federko talking some blues during this winter break and his experience at the Winter Classic in the alumni game several years ago. That's next on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the Character and Smallman podcast on 101 ESPN. This is Carriker and Smallman. We're talking everything St. Louis Blues as we head into the Blues booth. Brought to you by Boardwalk Hardwood Floors. Great floors for every home. With locations in Crestwood, Manchester, Overland, and St. Peter's. And online at BoardwalkHardwood.com. Michelle and Randy, and we'll head to the Brown and Crouppen Celebrity Line, and our friend, the Hall of Famer, Bernie Federko from Valley Sports, joins us a few days off for the hockey world because of COVID, and we can uh, start getting people back into buildings on the 27th. Bernie, first of all, good morning. How are you doing? Good morning, Randy. I'm doing great, thanks. Got all your holiday shopping taken care of? Is Berna all uh, set now? <laughs> yeah, I think so. I hope so. You know what? <laughs> Uh, it's it's been a little strange. I think everything. Uh, I think everybody's finding the same thing. I've I've never used online shopping as much as I have before, but uh, it makes it pretty easy. But I really don't know what I'm doing, so uh, <laughs> I guess I am done. Hey, uh, let's first of all touch on what's happening here with the break. And traditionally, the uh, NHL has had a break. Well, not oh, forever, and we'll talk about when you played. But uh, what do you think of this? relatively long break about a week well it's obviously a little bit strange and i think it actually probably affects more the fans than the players themselves because i think there's a lot of fans this time of year you know coming home from school and this and that 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 want to go to the games and i think that uh, really uh that's kind of one of the big issues because you love to have the buildings full and 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 this i think the the uh, ownership makes a lot more money this time of the year uh, to be very honest with you but you know, it is it is what it is, and I think that everybody's in that situation right now. Everybody understands that uh, uh, you know COVID has has changed uh, the lives of really everybody over the last uh, couple of years. So I think everybody just has to relax and 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 just be a little, little bit patient. Let's hope that this is going to be you know short lived, and um, you know the guys I'm sure will enjoy having some extra time off, uh, not having to practice for a couple of days, and and, and really you know hopefully getting ready for. Uh, what's going to come later on but uh, you know it is a strange thing but if I was playing right now I think this would be absolutely fantastic to get a few days off uh, over the Christmas time because you really don't get a chance to spend a lot of time with your families and you know during the the holidays and and I think that the guys are really going to get something different this year. And Bernie back in the day when you played you guys had that traditional home and home with the Blackhawks home game before Christmas and a road game right after Christmas for one team or the other was that something that because as a fan I really looked forward to it was that something that as a player you looked forward to? 
Well, it, it was difficult. I mean, and I, you know, in our day, I mean, basically we had the 24th and the 25th off, and that was it. So, I mean, really in the 24th, we traveled a lot of times. I mean, I, I can remember being, you know, in Vancouver on the 23rd, the night of the 23rd, and had to fly all the way home from Vancouver in the morning of the 24th. And by the time you got home, it was mid-afternoon, and uh, you basically had Christmas Eve, and then Christmas Day, and you were right back at it, whether you got to fly to Chicago or wherever it was. So it was difficult. It was hard, but... Um, you know, we were used to it because that's the way it was. So, I mean, you know, when I, whether you look forward or not, I mean, we used to call the game on the 26th really the, the turkey bowl because everybody <laughs> was, was basically had eaten their faces off for two days and partied like crazy. And then, you know what, uh, you had to play on the 26th. But the good news was that the other team was doing exactly what you were doing. So, so it really didn't matter. But I think the team that was the home team had a little more advantage, get to sleep in and, and spend some extra time here without having to get on a flight, jump on a flight early in the morning. But, uh, no, it was what it is, and I, I think everybody loved the rivalry, especially when we played Chicago. And it was, I mean, uh, whatever you did over the course of the 24th and 25th, when you when you hit the ice on the 26th with the crowds, whether it was here or Chicago, the crowds were going wild. So, I mean, you, you got into the mood very, very quickly. Bernie, how do you think this extended break will affect the Blues specifically? I think on one side of the coin, you look at it as a chance for some guys to get rest, other guys to get a little bit more healthy. But then I think I flip the coin over, and on the other side, that's a longer time that some of these guys aren't going to be with their teammates and aren't going to be out on the ice. So how do you think this will impact the Blues? Well, I don't think it's going to change that forever anybody, Michelle, because all the teams are doing the same thing. So, I mean, uh, I think this is kind of really comes at a good time. I mean, you know, some of the guys are just ready to come back, and I think these extra few days of rest is going to help, or, or whether it's rest or uh, getting a couple of good workouts in. But, I mean, there's so many of the guys, you know, like Perron and Thomas and Kyrie are ready maybe to come right back now. So, I mean, I this gives Shannon a little extra time to, to, to get some rest and without missing some games. So, uh, I think that really it's got to be – if the guys take it the right way, uh, I think this is really good mentally for everybody uh, because they know that, hey, you know, this COVID's going on and, and you know, some of the teams are starting to spread and this and that. So maybe this is a way to, to kind of put the brakes on it and uh, get some extra rest and, and, you know, come knowing that it's going to be even more. I mean, uh, we're not positive about what's, I mean, they haven't made an official announcement. I don't think about the Olympics, but uh, I, I think that, uh, um, you know, this is this is time for rest, and you take what you can you can take whatever you can get it. The Hall of Famer Bernie Federico with Carriker and Smallman on 101 ESPN. I mentioned to Michelle before the break that we've got the Winter Classic coming up. What are your memories of a few years ago when you got to play in that alumni game at Bush Stadium? Well, it was absolutely fantastic. Uh, you know, I, I don't think that uh, you know I ever expected I'd get a chance to play in a Winter Classic. I mean, in the alumni game, we had a beautiful day. We had a full house, you know, down at. Uh, Bush Stadium, so um, just the atmosphere was was absolutely unbelievable. And I think that um, you know, any time that anybody gets an opportunity to go to an afternoon game like that, or whatever it is, you know, an evening game, whatever, when it's outside and when there's you know forty or fifty thousand people, it, 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 it's it's never it's never better. It's never greater. I mean, um, you know, most of us grew up playing hockey outside, and I think anybody that's ever played hockey has got the opportunity to play a little bit outside. And when you get the opportunity to do something like that on a national stage. Uh, it can't be a, a better experience. So, I mean, I enjoyed so much. I mean, it's one of the, the things that I'll, I'll never forget was, was so much fun. Bernie, I wanted to ask you about Jordan Bennington. Um, the last time we saw the Blues play, they fell to the Jets 4-2. to Jordan Bennington stopped 30 shots in that one. What did you make of his return to the team? I thought he was fine. I mean, uh, you know, I, I don't think that he ever gets rusty. I think that he's, he's one of those guys that uh, mentally is so sharp all the time. Uh, he said even during COVID that he wasn't really that sick and 
Um, you know, obviously you're off the ice, so so something's changed. But I mean, he kept his hand-eye coordination by doing some drills and this and that. So, uh, I mean, I, I will agree with 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 you know with Chief. The third goal was was kind of a strange one. Uh, he would have liked to have got to the post a, a l- little bit sooner on this the shot came from the side. But I think that's kind of home ice advantage. I even said it on the air that night. Is that you know the puck caromed off the boards, off the funny bounce, and Paul Stastny had the presence to just throw it towards the net and. Uh, when the boards are really lively, like to have, you know what, uh, the home ice advantage. I, I don't think that Jordan knew that. Paul knew that. Uh, you know, Jordan could, couldn't quite move fast enough. The puck ends up going off him into the net. So things like that are going to happen. But you know what, Michelle, Jordan's still, uh, I think, one of the top three or four goaltenders in the National Hockey League. I think that, uh, um, you know, the rest is probably going to do him good in, in the long run. But uh, you know, no one wants to be out, and and, and I think everybody can, gets concerned when somebody's out for for a few games. But uh, I don't think that Jordan's ever going to miss a beat, and I think he'll be he'll right back at it, chopping at the bit to get out there again and start stopping some pucks. Bernie, Merry Christmas to you and yours. Thanks so much for the time, and we really enjoyed the visit. Can't wait to have you with us for a great 2022. Thanks, Randy, Michelle. You guys have a Merry Christmas, too. Yes, we'll look forward to uh, a, a really Happy New Year, and, and, and hopefully we can get all this stuff behind us for 2022. will be a, a great year and uh, get all this stuff behind us. Definitely. That is uh, the great Bernie Federko on 101 ESPN, the Hall of Famer. By the way, Michelle, there was a, a time, I think it was like early 90s, when the Blues and Blackhawks would play. So it would normally be here on the 23rd and in Chicago on the 26th. And Brian Sutter was coaching the Blues, and his brother, Dwayne Sutter, played for the Hawks. And after the Blues morning skate, and I think it's 23rd, so Brian is leaving the ice at the old arena, and Dwayne is coming on the ice for the morning skate for the Hawks, and Dwayne skates by Brian and says, Hey, Brian, Merry Christmas. This is the 23rd. And Brian Sutter says to Dwayne Sutter, his brother, Blank you, Dwayne. <laughs> and then skates off the ice and goes down over to his office. Blank you, Dwayne. <laughs> that, was Brian. That, that was Brian. That's incredible. Yeah. So that was always a fun rivalry. Coming up next on 101 ESPN, Michelle Smallman, Andrew, it's the fight. We're right back to the Character and Smallman podcast on 101 ESPN. Welcome to the fight on Character Smallman in the red corner, average Joe listener, and in the blue corner, the undisputed king of Morning Drive. Please welcome Randy Carricker. It's time to fight here on Carricker and Smallman on 101 ESPN. Yesterday, we had a listener who had a chance at the Hall of Fame, and Randy stopped him in his tracks. So we're starting fresh today. Clean slate, new fighter, and that fighter is Dave. Good morning, Dave. How are you? Good morning, Michelle. I'm great. How are you? I'm doing well. Thanks so much. Are you ready to take on Randy today? I am as ready as I guess I will ever be. Well, good luck to you, Dave. We're cheering for you. Thank you. All right. Question number one for Dave. Which former Major League Baseball player earned the nickname Spaceman? Was it Bill Lee, Brian Wilson, or Lenny Dykstra? I believe that would be Bill Lee. All right, Dave. What former Blues player wore royal blue skate blade holders, also known as toques, during the 2017 Winter Classic at Bush Stadium? Was it Scotty Upshaw, 
Robbie Fabry or Dimitri Yashkin? That sounds like a uh, uh, Robbie Fabry thing to me. Final answer, Dave? Yes. All right, question number three. What player holds the record for longest punt in NFL history? Is it Ray Guy, Steve O'Neill, or Jarrell Wilson? Oh, my. That's a good one. Um, I'm just going to put it out there and say uh, Ray Guy got into one. All right, Dave. The one millionth run in MLB history was scored on May 4th, 1975 by Bob Watson, then of the Houston Astros. Watson was treated well as the one millionth run was sponsored by what candy? Was it Payday, M&M's, or Tootsie Roll? Oh, my. Um, Just a shot in the dark. We'll go with Payday. Okay, checking our score. Waving in Randy. That would be awesome to have your home run sponsored by candy. Yeah. Yes, it would. (laughs) Dave, what's your favorite candy? Uh, I would say, well, I do like paydays. Um, I kind of, I like zero bars. I put them in the freezer. Oh, I've never had a zero bar. Smack them on the counter, put them in the freezer, smack them on the counter, and eat them in little pieces. They're great. Oh, my gosh. Hot tip from Dave. Okay, I'm looking at a zero bar here. It's (laughs) caramel, peanut, and almond nougat covered with a layer of white chocolate fudge. Delicious, Dave. Big nougat fan. (laughs) Randy. Gotta like nougats. Say good morning to Dave. Dave, good morning. How are you doing? Good morning, Randy. I'm great. How are you? Doing well. Happy holidays. Thanks for listening. We really appreciate that. And thanks for joining us this morning. Good to have you on the fight. I've been listening since day one. That is very nice of you. Thank you. Dave the Nougat Man. Randy. I I heard the Nougat. What's your favorite candy bar? Reese's Peanut Butter Cups do not count. That's not a bar. It's a cup. I would say that uh, because I paid attention in grade school and I understand the four food groups, that uh, it is the Snickers bar that has, obviously, fruits and vegetables with corn syrup. It's got dairy with milk chocolate, yeah, right? right? It's got naturally. protein with, uh-huh. uh, with the, the peanuts, the delicious peanut nougats that they have. And then uh, uh, the starch with flour. It's, uh, all four food groups represented by the, the Snickers bar. Okay. I, I thought the four main food groups were candy, candy canes, candy corn, <laughs> and syrup. <laughs> That's, that is true. Confirmed. Mm-hmm. Yeah, by Buddy the Elf. Randy, are you ready to fight? Ready. All right, question number one for Randy. Which former Major League Baseball player earned the nickname Spaceman? That would have been uh, Bill Lee of the Boston Red Sox, and then he played pitch for Montreal, too. Bill the Spaceman Lee, left-handed. Randy, what former Blues player wore royal blue skate blade holders, also known as toques, during the 2017 Winter Classic at Bush Stadium? Toques. That royal blue, the skate blade holder. Skate blade holder. Uh, I don't recall, so I'm just gonna go back and uh, try to think of that team. Uh, and who would have done such a thing? Uh, you know what? I'll, I'll, I'll guess here with the lifeline. We have Scotty Upshaw, mm-hmm. Robbie Fabry, Dimitri Yashkin. Uh, just because I like doing it, I'm going to go, Robbie Fabry. Sorry, had to clap there for a second. Randy, what player holds the record for longest punt in NFL history? Longest punt in NFL history. 
I believe, I think the record still holds. Uh, Joe Linsick, uh, Joe Buck's grandfather, I think. Yeah, 90, 96 yards, I think. I'm going to go with Joe Linsick. Randy, question number four. The one millionth run in MLB history was scored on May 4th 1975 by Bob Watson, then of the Houston Astros. Watson was treated well as the one millionth run was sponsored by what candy? <laughs> now you know why we asked you about candy. Oh, I get it now. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Okay. Well, you know what? <laughs> Since payday came up, <laughs> I'll, I'll go with payday. Gentlemen, Dave, Randy, we've got a tie. Yes. Oh, we've got a tie. How about that? We're heading oh, to the tiebreaker oh. round. Okay. Dave, okay. this is how this is going to work. We haven't had a tiebreaker in a minute here on Character and Small Man. Wow, yeah. So, Dave, I'm going to read the tiebreaker question. Randy is going to write down his answer on his sheet of paper there. Good Edward Jones dome pad, which uh, you know I love. And um, Lindenwood University pen, too. Oh, he's locked in today. Locked in. Very nice. Uh, So, Dave, you're going to get first crack at this. We're going to give you the first opportunity to give your answer. We're going to give you about 10 seconds. And then Randy will share with us what he's written down on the sheet of paper. First to get it correct or closest to the pen wins. Okay? Okay. Yes. Dave, are you ready? I am ready. Randy, are you ready? I'm ready. All right, gentlemen. Here is your tiebreaker question. Vince Coleman wore Cardinal Red from 1985 to 1990. Although he played for various teams from 1991 to 1997, most of his career stolen bases were with the Cardinals. How many bases did Vince Coleman steal in his career? Overall? Overall. 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 Randy, okay, has shared his answer with Andrew and I. So, Dave, whenever you're ready. I'm going to say 378. Dave says 378. Randy, your answer is? 724. 724. I think 575 with the Cardinals? I was, couldn't remember. <laughs> was it Dave or was it Randy? The drama. Andrew, ring the bell. <clears throat> Still champion of the fight, Randy Carricker. Brought to you by Optical Expressions, providing St. Louis with top quality eye care and eyewear since 1997. Dave, it came down to the tiebreaker question, but Randy was closest to the pin. He beat you today. I'm so sorry. That's okay. I didn't want Randy to go into the holidays on a downer. <laughs> Dave, you're the best. Well, Merry we'll Christmas. Let you have this one, Randy. I'll get you next time. What a you're generous the man. guy. Don't worry, Dave. Uh-huh. We still have tomorrow. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> Thanks for listening. Thanks for playing, Dave, and happy holidays. Take care, guys. You too. Have a great day and a great holiday. Thank you. All right. So the former Major League Baseball player who earned the nickname Spaceman was Bill Lee. The former Blues player who wore royal blue skate blade holders at the Winter Classic in 2017 was Robbie Fabry. There you go, Randy. Steve O'Neill holds the record for longest punt in NFL history, 98 yards with the Jets in 1969. And on May 4th, may the 4th be with you, 1975, Bob Watson, then of the Houston Astros, hit the one millionth home run in Major League Baseball history. And that run was sponsored by Tootsie Roll. Oh, 
Interesting. I wonder why. You'd think payday, naturally. But no, it was, in fact, Tootsie Roll. Great song, too, by the way. All right, so Vince Coleman, how many bases did he steal in his career? That was our tiebreaker question. Dave guessed 378. Randy guessed 724. The correct answer is 752. Good for Vince. It's a lot. By the way, the the Tootsie Roll thing, Watson, he was awarded with 1 million Tootsie Rolls as well. I wonder if he still had. Well, no, and he just died. He donated, <laughs> he donated half of it to the Boy Scouts of America, and then the other half to the Girl Scouts of America. Oh, well, that's nice. Equal opportunity so, donation. Love it. He didn't have any left then. No, he didn't. So, because what would you do with that? Had a nice run too. I would eat maybe like at least a hundred of them. That, that would take me several days though. Tootsie rolls are not my favorite because they're so chewy. I love the flavored Tootsie rolls. You know the big ones that mm-hmm. have like the cherry and the vanilla flavor. Those are amazing. I forget what they're called. Uh, and the fruities that you get at parades. Oh, yeah. Those yep. are so good. Yeah. Fruities. I always get them and then give them to kids. Pick them up. Uh, I'm sure kids love but, accepting candy from a stranger. <laughs> Especially with my van that says free candy. <laughs> yeah, yeah, Michelle. That's great. Hey, Johnny, you want some free Tootsie Rolls Terrible. that I got from a parade? I swear. Don't do it, kids. Don't take Don't candy take from it. anyone, Don't especially take... Uncle Randy. Um, however, Come on. He, so Tootsie Rolls are very small, obviously. Yeah, a million of them, though. Do you think a million? I'm really bad at this game when it's like, guess how many oh, yeah. jelly beans are in the jar. No. Do you think a million Tootsie Rolls could fill this studio? No way. Do you think it would be half? Do you think it would get to our kneecaps? How? No. I, I don't think that a million Tootsie Rolls could fill a Volkswagen. Interesting. What about a Fiat? Maybe. <laughs> maybe. What do you think, Andrew? A I, Fiat? I, may, I think maybe, yeah. If, if we had a million on the floor, it might be two inches here on the floor. Maybe three. That's maybe great. up to our ankles. Yeah. That yeah. is a pretty spacious room. It is. It's a million, though. Yeah. By the way, take you a little inside Hubbard Radio. We're doing major renovations to our building throughout the course of the first three and a half months of 2022. And we get new carpet. Michelle, we get new carpet in the studio. That's exciting. Yeah, so we're getting that. Uh, new studios being built. The sales staff is getting this new state-of-the-art facility behind our studio. Uh, it's going to be amazing. Uh, the fast lane, their office is going to be expanded by about 10 feet. Wow. They're taking out a wall and putting in a conference table in the fast lane office. Cool. So what are they doing for our office? Paint. So the fast lane gets more room and a conference table to hang out and we get paint? We get paint and carpet, yeah. Yeah. Well, you know have to, the fast lane has to have room for their refrigerator. Oh, which we also don't have? Well, in fairness, BT brought it in. They also have windows and we don't. That's true. But they spend more time there than we do, too. That's true. So who's complaining? I told him, by the way, just so that you guys know. I think Andrew already knew. But uh, I told him while their office is being worked on that they can use ours. Um, that was generous of you. It's going to be a tight squeeze. It is. Our I, office I, is not that big. No, but I think they like spending time in close quarters with each other. Well, you know what? And by the time they come in, we're gone for the day. So it won't matter. That's exactly right. Pass the torch. Welcome, guys. We should leave them a little snacks. Maybe we'll leave them a zero bar in there. Some zero bars. payday or something. Yeah. Yeah, That's a good idea. Some Tootsie Rolls. Next up, you're killing me, Smalls, on 101 ESPN. How do you like me now? How do you like me now? We're right back to the Carriker and Smallman podcast on 101 ESPN. 
What's totally killing Smalls right now? You're killing me, Smalls. You're killing me, Smalls, with Michelle Smallman on 101 ESPN. Brought to you by BMW of West St. Louis. Save up to 20% on a great selection of service loaners. It's time for... You're killing me, Smalls. I just got the most interesting email, Randy, and I want to share it with you. Okay. Um, you know how we get pitched things a lot of times? Hey, so-and-so came out with a book. Yeah. You should have them on. Here, mm-hmm. did you know what's the most Googled holiday recipe in the state of Missouri? People just send us weird fun facts. I just got an email about a book that's coming out about Elvis Presley's life. The King. It's called The Truth About Elvis Presley's Life, mm. okay? And um, actually, the name of the book is Elvis, Destined to Die Young. Oh, Destined that's sad. To die he did die at 42, so maybe he was. Yes, and they gave me some fun fun facts about Elvis in oh, the email. Good. Yeah, can it I, happened in a bathroom, and it was a drug overdose. Well, can I read you sure. fun fact number one? Most people believe Elvis's bad health was due to his lifestyle. While this is partly true, the fact is he was dealt poor gene because his maternal grandparents were also first cousins. There was a long history of premature deaths in his family, and he had disease or disorder in nine of the 11 bodily systems. I kind of get that. Yeah. He's from Mississippi, right? Didn't know that um, his grandparents also cousins. Yeah. What a family. You know, you were just telling me that you got your inbox to zero yesterday. Yeah, These yeah. are emails that you're just deleting, Randy. So You're not learning fun facts about Elvis when you're just deleting things in your inbox. And I feel bad about it. Having been to Graceland, I wish I would have gotten the email. Being I'll a big a fan <laughs> of peanut butter and banana sandwiches. So good. Love a peanut butter and banana sandwich. And it, if for no other reason than just to see how different life was, even in the 60s and 70s, you should visit Graceland. Have you been there? Yes, I've been there. Isn't it amazing how small everything is? Yes. Relative to what homes are like today? Yes, very small. Um, You know what I could not believe is how emotional people were at Graceland. Mm -hmm. We're talking people sobbing, people bringing um, huge flower arrangements. that It looked like you were going to present it to a horse after they won the Kentucky Derby that were just (laughs) posting up on his lawn. Yeah. People love Elvis. As well they should. I mean, he was was good. I, I have... Uh, a lot of Elvis songs. I I love the King. Love Elvis. King, but I, I can't imagine getting that emotional over someone no. who has passed away this many years ago that I never met and yep. didn't know. Young, skinny Elvis or fat, uh, older, fat Elvis? An old, that's relatively speaking, because he died at 42. Well, I'm going to go, my favorite Elvis is white jumpsuit bell-bottom Elvis. Okay, there you go. So you're a fat, yeah. older, a Vegas 68. Yeah. Yeah, okay. Yeah, I'm... Uh, I probably like the younger Elvis music. So I, I would probably go 50s, early 60s Elvis. Nice. Skinny. Uh, but who knew about the cousins? Fun facts. I'm Carriker and Smallman this morning. Yeah. You're killing me, Small. We talked uh, last week, Randy, about what Carson Wentz gifted his offensive lineman mm-hmm. for Christmas. He got him a Yeti cooler, some, some meat, some really nice Wagyu steaks. Taking care of O-linemen. That's, That's right. the kind of thing that they like. And um, I need to ask you which quarterback you would rather have. Carson Wentz, who gave you the Yeti cooler and there was the nice Yeti mug and, and the prime meats. Or would you rather have Kyler Murray be your quarterback, who bought his entire offensive line custom golf bags and sets of custom fit clubs from True Spec Golf for Christmas? Uh, Kyler, you're my guy. <laughs> Love you. 
I, I'll, I'll eat a steak and it's gone. Customized golf bags with the clubs. Those are going to last me for years. And these are really nice bags embroidered with everybody's names on it and their numbers. Yeah. Thanks, Kyler. You're, you're my guy. I like him now. He's my favorite quarterback in the league. Now, in his rookie season in 2019, he gave all of his offensive linemen personalized scooters with the Cardinals logo and their number. Wow. Kyler takes care of his guys. He sure does. That's cool. And last year, he gave each guy a painting of themselves for Christmas. Oh, nice. I wonder if they were paintings of them as centaurs. I don't think so. No. That's very nice. Well, how thoughtful. Yeah, Kyler. What a cool guy. Hooking it up. Yeah. Other quarterbacks take note. Now, it's really interesting that... The Colts play Arizona this weekend. It'll be interesting to see which quarterback is better protected by his offensive line. Yeah, do you think the O-linemen are going to meet before the game, just yeah. chit-chat, talk and chat? Hey, yeah. I got golf clubs, dude. I How's got... your steak? How's your cooler? <laughs> Where's your mug? Yeti cooler is a pretty cool thing to have, by the way. But I would rather have a personalized golf bag. I would, too. And the clubs that came with it, definitely. And it's, it's really nice. It's a white leather bag with the red stitching. Yeah, classy. Pretty sweet. You're killing me, Smalls. So we've talked a lot about Charlie and Tiger Woods competing over the past weekend, and we haven't talked a lot about John Daly and his son, who actually won the tournament, the PNC Championship. But um, John Daly was on Fox and Friends, and he was talking about he and his son winning the tournament, and naturally he was asked about Tiger Woods and um, how he was in the tournament. And he said, quote, he looked good, he looked a little tired, but he still looked great, and he'll be back. I can see it in his eyes. He's probably going to beat Jack Nicholas's records and be the greatest of all time. That's saying something. I don't agree with John Daly, but for a pro golfer to say that, that's pretty high praise. By the way, did you see the official picture of all the golfers? No. Here, let me, I'm going to okay. pass my phone over to Michelle so you can see John Daly. John Daly's dressed up in the, the official picture for the PNC Championship with all the uh, fathers and children. Uh, John Daly's dressed up as Santa Claus. He looks amazing. Yeah, and his son is wearing uh, the the red coat. That's yeah, pretty cool. And then it's interesting. They set it up with uh, Tiger and Charlie just right there front and center, right F- front row, right in the middle. But would you have anybody else front and center? No, you have to do that if you're the PNC Championship. Because everyone's going to be looking for them anyway. Yep. But this is somebody in John Daly who's obviously been on tour, been a competitor, and for him to be at the PNC with Tiger and say, I was with him, he looks great, I can see it in his That's eyes. amazing. He's coming back. Clearly, he wouldn't say something like, like that if he didn't get a pretty good sense of being with him that this is somebody that can still compete. Yeah. It's phenomenal. Now, I could also see... Tiger sandbagging a little bit so that when he does come back and win, it's even a bigger story. You know, for him to say, a 50-50 chance of losing my leg. I mean, when he wins a tournament, doesn't that make it even more awesome? Yes. It's one of the most incredible stories we've ever seen. And that comes off him already having a great comeback and being one of the most incredible stories we've ever seen. But for somebody who's had so many ups and downs, for that to be potentially the final chapter of his career is remarkable. You know, we were talking earlier about Aaron Rodgers savoring that 444 touchdown pass when it comes. How lucky were we to be able to see Tiger in St. Louis? Incredible. Yeah. I wish he would have won that tournament. No disrespects to Brooks. Agreed. But being there on 18 and watching him be in the hunt, wearing red, and just to see with my own eyes and experience the Tiger effect, 
it was unlike anything I have ever seen in sports to see so many people follow him in a mob mm-hmm. and be so locked into this one person. Did you see the ESPN doc restore the roar? No, I need because to. there was a long interview with him and he was talking about how in St. Louis people are wearing their cardinal gear on Sunday and it's like they're he he said so it's like they're dressing up for me yeah with the, the with the Sunday red that's cool and he just he loved the experience in St. Louis and was really cool about it again. in in this documentary that was produced by ESPN. Thanks, Michelle. You're welcome. And uh, we appreciate you being with us on 101 ESPN. Next up, Bragging Rights game tonight. Michelle is fired up. We'll tell you some of what Brad Underwood thinks needs to happen next on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the Carriker and Smallman podcast on 101 ESPN. Opinions matter. Time now for today's big thing with Carriker and Smallman on 101 ESPN. Brought to you by Together Credit Union. Here for St. Louis. Here to help you achieve more with your money. You know, it's a fun game. It's I, I love walking out and seeing a seeing the building split down the middle and and uh, it makes it one of the unique rivalries in, in college basketball and a unique experience. And, you know, we'll, uh, we'll show up on Wednesday. That's Illinois coach Brad Underwood, who will show up on the sideline tonight wearing a, an orange quarter zip pullover. Very comfortable. He said that's one of the good things about the pandemic is the coaches don't have to dress up anymore. So he's going to be stylish tonight. He says he's going to have the the sneakers working too, some pretty cool footwear. And although I appreciate that coach is taking more of a casual approach, you you know, I'm more of an orange blazer girl. I've always enjoyed when it was going back to Lou Henson and mm-hmm. Bill Self, all the coaches at Illinois when they wore the blue bla- or the orange blazer. I thought that was great. It is. And it's especially it's cool. when the Mizzou coach is wearing the gold like when Norm was wearing the gold and Lou was wearing the orange, it was very cool. Yeah, but I understand pandemic. Everyone's more casual now. People are wearing pajamas out. I see that all the time. I know. What do you think of that? I don't know. I was um, I was looking back at pictures the other day. Um, my dad actually sent me these old photos of St. Louis and famous bar downtown. Mm-hmm. And it was so cool to see all of the people so dressed up yep. with the hats and the suits and the women were so dressed up. And whenever you look back on baseball games and, and people were blues dressed. games. People wore furs to blues games. How cool is that? And I don't know. I, I think there's something to be said about getting dressed up to go yeah, do something. And we don't do that anymore. No. And even coaches don't do it anymore. That's right. Illinois, a 14-point favorite tonight. The over-under is 139. And last year, even though Illinois was a favorite last year, they took it on the chin. And Underwood says... Yeah, hey. they've whooped us. They, they, uh, they, they, they played harder than we did two years ago. You know, last year, uh, we just didn't play very well. And, and they had a little bit to do with that. The game was in their place, and... and they caught us at a time we weren't we were we were struggling to really find our identity and who we were and that's not an excuse they they kicked our tail but no we we've got to be better and and we've got to play with the with the different edge and you know two years ago in the game in st louis you know they they physically just whooped us and michelle this is not something that should happen this year base i get that it's a rivalry in illinois mizzou might cover 14 but mizzou lost by 37 to KU, 102 to 65. They lost at Liberty. They lost at home to Kansas City. It's a team that just, to this point in the season, 
has not shown the propensity to be able to compete against really good teams and at times teams that they should hammer. True, but Illinois has been favored the past two years and Mizzou has won both of those games on a neutral court rivalry game. You kind of throw a lot of things out the window. Also, I think this is a Mizzou team that did just get it handed to them by Kansas. They've these kids are probably reading things about their coach and is their coach on the hot seat. Mm-hmm. And you you might see a motivated Mizzou team. Now, I think that when it comes down to it, this is an Illinois team that should absolutely stop Mizzou. I don't think that Mizzou is going to have any answer for Kofi Coburn. No, <laughs> he's he's the difference in the game. That You're yes. right. Mizzou does not have an answer for him. Yeah, so I think that Illinois should win this game and they should win it easily. But... I thought that the past two seasons, when I looked at the matchup last year, there was no way that that Illinois team should have lost to Mizzou last season as well. No, and by the way, even if Mizzou does collapse on Coburn, that's going to leave Plummer available for a a free shot, whether it's from three or from 15 feet. I don't see a way that Missouri is effectively going to be able to defend those two guys. No, I, I was reading a lot about this matchup, Randy, and one of the things that Mizzou can exploit is if Illinois has turnovers, which has been something that they've uh, struggled with at, at times this season and, frankly, at times last season. But, again, I think that even if they do their their best to do that, that Illinois still just has too much manpower. Yeah, and I think the other thing you have to look at with Mizzou, you mentioned no answer for Coburn. They just don't have that big guy. But there's no consistent guy where you say, okay, who who do we throw it to when we're in trouble? Mizzou just doesn't have that guy. Now, they have Kobe Brown has a couple of double-doubles this year, has a triple-double. Uh, Davis has been solid scoring. But there just isn't one guy where when the team's in trouble, you get it to him and you know he's going to be able to settle things down. So Mizzou and Kansas obviously had a great rivalry for a long time. Illinois doesn't really have a rival. They try to make it Northwestern. That's not going to happen. It's just never going to happen. Neither side cares. (laughs) We just do not care that much. Do you think that this is truly the best rivalry game in Mizzou and Illinois right now? I don't think there's any doubt about it. Now, KU used to be a rivalry, but this is the first time Mizzou had played them in more than a decade. For Conzo Martin, where does this one stack up? Uh, I, I would safely say for me as a coach, it, it's probably the number one just because of the location, the energy behind it. Uh, and obviously I played in games like that as a college player. But but, but as far as a coach, I think that's probably the number one uh, venue setting that I've been a part of. Which is cool to hear for both schools that – Coming to St. Louis, it's their biggest rivalry. It's such a unique environment with half of the side or half of the arena being Mizzou fans, half being Illinois. Um, it, it's just one of those things, too, the, the time of year where everybody's there. It's it's current student. It's alumni. It, it just means more. This is such a special thing that's on the St. Louis sports calendar, and I love that it has held that, that uh, intensity and that it's one of the, the things that people really look forward to, not only fans, but players and coaches, too. And by the way, you can get tickets online at Ticketmaster. This used to be a ticket that you could not get. You can get tickets for tonight's game. That is today's big thing on 101 ESPN. Coming up, we're going to talk more, Mizzou, this about football. Howard Richards, the analyst for Mizzou Tiger football on the radio, will join us from Fort Worth and preview tonight's game next on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the Character and Smallman podcast on 101 ESPN. Garrett and Smallman on 101 ESPN. Mizzou plays Army tonight in the Lockheed Martin Armed Forces Bowl in Fort Worth, Texas. You'll be able to hear the game on the Tiger Network. That's the big 550 here in St. Louis at 7 o'clock. And 
Mike Kelly and Howard Richards will have the call, and uh, Howard Richards joins us right now from Fort Worth via the Brown and Crouppen Celebrity Line. Good morning, sir, and thanks for taking some time with us on game day. How are you doing? I'm doing well. Happy holidays to you both. Same to you. First of all, what's the weather going to be like in Fort Worth tonight? You know, I actually think it's going to be very pleasant. Um, Each day this week, uh, the temperature has risen. I think by Christmas, it's going to be about 80 degrees here today. Um, But I'm I'm guessing tonight's temperature about kickoff will be somewhere in the mid-50s. Well, enjoy that, Howard, and it's so great to talk to you. Before we get into the X's and O's of this one, I wanted to ask you about Tyler Beatty. It was announced that a decision was made between he, his family, and the coaching staff that he's going to sit out this bowl game in order to prepare for the NFL draft. What did you make of that decision? I think it was a very unselfish decision by uh, Coach Drinkwitz and and the Mizzou coaching staff. You know, if if people remember uh, the name Tony Van Zandt, and what he possibly could have meant to Mizzou uh, by playing in an all-star game. He tore up his knee and, and never played football again. Um, I, I think they wanted to avoid a scenario like that. I mean, football is is a game that a guy like Tyler Beatty loves so much. I mean, we all love this game. But to risk it, and I won't use the term a meaningless game, uh, but a game that he doesn't really need to showcase himself. He's already proven it at this level. Um, I think they just realized that the the risk of injury is much greater than the reward of Mizzou uh, either winning the game or Beatty ripping off another 200-yard game. So I think it's smart. You know, they consulted with with his family, um, uh, with his representatives, and came to the conclusion that this was the best thing for for Beatty's future. And, um, you know, it's hard to argue with that. I would think that that is going to be a pretty good recruiting tool in the future as well. If ever you wanted an example of a coach caring about a player, parents get to know about this, kids get to know about this, and I would think that's a huge advantage for a guy like Eli Drinkwitz. I would agree. Um, And and the message that it sends is that, hey, we're not going to sacrifice uh, your health or your future just for the sake of of winning and padding statistics. Uh, that's, That's not you know, what we do here. And football is more than just, um, you know, numbers and, and, and victories. You know, we've got to prepare guys for the future. And, you know, if a, if a person, if a player like Beatty or anyone else that should come along in this situation, if they've got a future uh, and possibly making more money uh, in a sport or a profession than they could in any other type of profession, you know, then why not? Um, and, but I, I think you're right. I think it sends that message that, uh, you know, we care about our people. Uh, if you come here and you, you work hard, you get those opportunities, you're going to be treated the same way as a guy like Tyler Beatty has been treated. Howard, looking at this matchup, the triple option, tough to defend. This Missouri defense is 124th in the nation against the run. Not a great matchup for them here. How are they going to be able to control Army on the ground? (laughs) They've got to be disciplined. Um, You can't be fooled by all the misdirection. You've got to pay attention to your keys. You've got to really trust uh, the work that you've put in the last couple of weeks. You've got to trust your eyes. You know, there's a lot of cut blocking. So if you're on defense, you must use your hands and not allow those blockers to get into your legs, into your body. If you do that, then you, it, you're done because you can't make plays if you're lying on the ground. So the biggest key is to stay disciplined, stay home, and stay upright. Now let's talk about the offense because without Beatty, Brady Cook is going to make his first start for Mizzou at quarterback. What's your impression of Cook? 
if you just look at the times that uh, he's been on the field, every opportunity, the guy has done a good job. I, I think he's completed somewhere around 80% of his throws. Um, most of his decisions have been sound. He's moved the offense. And it's time to really get uh, another look at someone outside of Connor Bazelak. You know, you, you need to know uh, what your depth is. Uh, is there, you know, you need to know what these guys can actually do. You know, if Bayslack or someone else is your long-term quarterback, you have to know that the players that are backing up your starters uh, have been developed to the point where they can step in and and make plays. In this case, move the offense and and get points on the board. So I'm excited to see what the kid can do. You know, he's been waiting for this opportunity for a couple of years, hasn't played and started the game since he was at Chaminade. So um, I, I think people should look at, uh, this game as an opportunity to see, you know, what lies beneath, you know, the starters. And um, I'm excited for, for Brady Cook. And, and maybe Tyler Macon gets an opportunity to play uh, in this game. I hope we get a chance to see um, uh, what Macon could do in an opportunity to have an extended uh, playing time today. Howard, any other players that uh, you think that we should keep an eye on, whether it's uh, the running backs that are going to be in for Beatty tonight or a wide receiver, anybody that you are particularly interested in seeing that we should keep an eye on? So if we start with running backs, there's a guy that I who caught my eye in spring ball. And um, it, he is a guy that has had some opportunities during the season and, and made some big plays. And his name's Michael Cox. He's a walk-on out of Atlanta. This guy uh, has a knack for making big plays in the run game. So even though Dawson Downing is going to start, uh, I would imagine, and I hope to see um, guys like Elijah Young and and B.J. Harris, but also I want to see what Michael Cox can do. He's a big back. He goes 225, almost 230. Um, And he's one of those guys I think that just has really good instincts, good vision. He can break tackles. So if you can't have Tyler back there, um, you want a guy that can carry that load. And I think Cox is, is has that capability to, to do something special running the ball for Missouri. Also, looking at the tight end position, you know, we've, we've, we've lost um, uh, a couple of tight ends. Um, and, and so Nico Hay is, is probably not going to be available tonight. So Missouri's going to go with Ryan Hortzkamp that, uh, as a freshman starter. Uh, that will naturally change what they're going to do formation-wise. So you'll probably see a lot of multiple receivers uh, spreads or, excuse me, sets on offense. Um, how will that affect the run game? Not quite sure just yet, but it should be interesting. Uh, in a game where you normally would think Missouri would like to control the ball and run it a lot, you may see um, Brady Cook just tossing it all over Eamon G. Carter Field tonight. Howard, Mizzou fans have to be pretty pleased with the future of their program. You you had a great signing day for Eli Drinkwitz and his staff. You have a lot of good talent coming in, like Luther Burden and Sam Horn. And obviously, you always want to win a bowl game. But I look at this as another opportunity for Eli Drinkwitz to get Mizzou fans really excited about the future. If you can not only end the season with a winning record but a bowl, a bowl victory, it's another feather in his cap. No doubt about it. Uh, we all want to see wins, of course. But at some point, you know what's coming in. Uh, but you also have to look at your future. This is only Eli's second year as head coach. Uh, and there are players on this roster that still need to be evaluated. And you know recruiting never ends. It's a 24-hour cycle. Um, and, and you have to look at what your players are going to be able to contribute. 
to these guys that don't really get an opportunity to play on a regular basis, you know, tonight's an audition for them. Um, and it'll go a long way as to, you know, how guys will be slotted in spring ball and how much competition they'll get then. And, and of course, you know, going forward into the 2022 season seems like a long way away, but we all know how fast this offseason goes. And, uh, but I, I think it's a perfect chance for these younger players, you know, that, that have been chomping at the bit to get in there to go in and, and prove what they're worth. And uh, you, it might be an exciting uh, opportunity. No one's giving Mizzou a chance to win this game. Uh, and I think that should be added incentive uh, for everyone wearing the old golden black tonight. Hey, Howard, during Gary Pinkle's term as the Mizzou head coach, so many great players from the state of Texas and half of the bowl games that Mizzou played in when Gary Pinkle was the head coach took place down there. And he always liked that because he could bring prospective recruits to the game. Do you think that's something that Drink and the staff will have tonight? Will they have a, a group of Texas kids that are on the sidelines or in the stands watching them tonight? I'd be shocked if they did not. Um, Texas has always been fertile recruiting ground, uh, fertile recruiting ground. Um, the last time we were here in the uh, in Houston, down at the Texas Bowl, a lot of Mizzou fans showed up. Um, I, obviously, I wasn't that keen on how many recruits are here, but trust me, uh, people know when the Tigers are going to be in town. Uh, those high school coaches that have players that are being looked at uh, in the SEC and by Missouri. Uh, will have their eyes on this game. Uh, when we played in the Cotton Bowl in 2014, had a great showing uh, by the Mizzou faithful. Um, and, you know, scored a number of players uh, from the Dallas area especially. So I expect the same uh, in, in a situation like this. Um, people say, ah, it's not a big bowl, but you got to look at the, the big picture. Again, you get a chance to showcase what you can do, have those recruits right here on site in the stands, uh, and have your alumni, and there's a big alumni base in the Dallas-Fort Worth area. I think it's a win for the Mizzou football program all the way around. And finally, I've been to the stockyards down in Fort Worth. It's a great social area with great restaurants. Have you enjoyed any of the uh, Tex-Mex food down in Fort Worth this week? Not this week, Randy. As you know, I spent a lot of time in this state. I lived here for 10 years. Right. Uh, so I, I have, I still have a ton of friends here and, uh, I actually chose to, to go and visit with friends last night, uh, to stay away from the, the, the fanfare and, uh, kind of went with the safe option. So Good um, for you. I'm proud of you. I, I can't, yeah, I can't, I can't speak to, um, uh, the fair, uh, here in Fort Worth, but trust me, I mean, from past experiences, any place you go and eat, uh, is going to be a win. No doubt about it. Hey, we'll be tuned in tonight. You and Mike and Chris have fun. Uh, congratulations on a great season, and we'll talk to you soon. Thanks, guys. Have a merry, merry Christmas. Same to you, and we'll be in touch. That is our great friend Howard Richards from Fort Worth, Mizzou, and Army tonight, the Lockheed Martin Armed Forces Bowl at Amon G. Carter Stadium in Fort Worth, Texas. And it'll be great. And, by the way, I have experienced the Mexican fair down there, and it's, it's wonderful. Is it? Yeah. Really I never good. have. It's pretty authentic, as you might guess. Yeah, sure. So I, I liked it a lot. That's Michelle. I'm Randy. Coming up, we're going to talk more football. This of the pro variety. Nick Wagner has already made his way to Nashville for the 49ers and the Tennessee Titans tomorrow. And Nick joins us next on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the Character and Smallman podcast on 101 ESPN. <laughs> Thank you.
I'm kind of stuck in the middle here because I'm co-hosting with Illinois grad Michelle Smallman. <laughs> and uh, waiting for us on the Brown and Crouppen celebrity line is Mizzou grad Nick Wagner, who, by the way, is from the state of Illinois. That's so right. probably has some mixed emotions for the Bragging Rights game tonight. Uh, Nick, it, we're going to talk some football with you. Good morning. How you doing? I'm good. How are you guys? Good to hear from you. Uh, first of all, any mixed emotions at all, or are you totally in on MIZ? Uh, I have zero emotions because the Missouri basketball team is just a <laughs> big cage of disappointment at this point, and uh, I'm trapped in it. And I do, I do root for Illinois. I've always liked Illinois, as Michelle knows. I was born in Urbana, and uh, so I, I do like Illinois. But my interest level in the game is is very, very low, and I can't say that I'm even much more excited about the Lockheed. Armed Forces Bowl or whatever it is going on either. So uh, maybe I'm just a Grinch when it comes to Mizzou sports right now. I don't know. You know, Nick, all you have to say is I went to Mizzou. We're in the SEC. We're a football school. Yeah, I haven't picked up on that, Michelle. I can't. I can't do. I can't do the successful by association thing for whatever reason. I don't know. Maybe that's just a, uh, my Midwest values kicking in there. Uh, if I was a Southern guy, maybe it'd be a little different. I don't know. Nick Wagner in Nashville. He covers the 49ers for ESPN.com. And Nick, after that four-game losing streak early in the season, the Niners have gone six and two, and right now in the playoff hunt. What's different? Why are they better now? Well, the, the, the simplest thing, Randy, part of it is getting healthy. You know, they, they got guys like George Kittle back, some of their key pieces. Jimmy Garoppolo was, was banged up for a little bit. But the big thing is just kind of reestablishing who they are, what their identity is. And we, we all know in 2019 when they were at their best that they were a really good running team. So they were able to run the ball and then kind of run play action off of that. And they weren't asking Jimmy Garoppolo to throw 40 or 50 times a game. But when he was throwing, it was, you know, eight, 8.5 yards per pass, things like that. And then the defense was dominant. So the defense isn't, this group isn't as dominant defensively. They don't have that defensive line that can just kind of overwhelm you. Um, but they're very opportunistic. They get takeaways and they're good in the red zone. So they're holding teams to field goals or, or coming up with a takeaway down there that keeps them out of the end zone. So it's a little bit different. Clearly not as dominant as they were in 2019. But the way I look at it, guys, is right now the NFL, I mean, who do you look around and just say, oh, that's a dominant team that nobody can beat? So I, I think this is one of those years that if you're just the hot team at the right time and you have a little bit of injury luck going into the postseason, who knows what can happen? You're right, Nick, and I think a lot of people are looking at this 49ers team as a team that could be dangerous come postseason time. But what's one thing that you look at that maybe a hole in their game that could stop them from making a postseason run? Yeah, they definitely have some flaws, and, and the number one flaw is cornerback. Uh, you know, the, after last season, Richard Sherman departed. He was he was banged up, but they, they let him go. He's in Tampa now. Um, they, they didn't really address the position, and it was one of those weird things where it's like, this isn't 2020 hindsight. This, is, this was like an obvious thing. Like, you need to go get some corners, and they didn't really do it. They drafted one in the third round from Michigan, Ambry Thomas, who – didn't play football last year. And then Diamador Lenora corner, they drafted from Oregon in the fifth round, you know, fifth rounder, not necessarily a guarantee that he's going to produce. So they've been kind of piecing it together back there, a little bit of a patchwork group. And and I think that that's going to be one of the things that if their pass rush has it off day, um, they could be in a lot of trouble, especially when you look around the NFC and you see Aaron Rodgers, you see Tom Brady and some of the Matthew Stafford, some of the quarterbacks they could go up against. Um, it could make for a long day if they get to the postseason. Nick, you get to see Jimmy Garoppolo every day. I argue that Jimmy Garoppolo is unfairly defined by one quarter in a Super Bowl and that when he's healthy, he's a really good quarterback. Am I off base there? No, I think it's a good question. I mean, if you if you just look at the way Garoppolo performs uh, weekly, his big, his big thing is, um, you know, just being consistent and not turning the ball over because – 
to me, to me, Randy, if you look at Jimmy Garoppolo and why the Niners made the move up to go get Trey Lance, the number one reason they did it was because of Garoppolo's injury history. He had trouble staying on the field. And then kind of riding shotgun next to that was the turnover issues, where even in 2019 when he had a good year, his touchdown-to-interception ratio was right in the 2-to-1 range. You'd like to see that a little closer to 3-to-1, and he wasn't there. So uh, I think you're seeing him now that he's been healthy and he's had his weapons. He's, he's one of those guys. I think we talked about this around the draft when we were talking about Trey Lance and the, the options they had. He's one of those guys, he's never going to carry your team, right? He's not, he's not going to lift all boats. He's just kind of is who he is. But if everything around him is in place and good and the running game is rolling and he has healthy Debo Samuel and Brandon Ayuk and George Kittle, he can, he can do the job. And, that, and that's kind of what you're seeing right now. I wrote about it the other day. Jimmy Garoppolo leads the league in yards per attempt, and he's, he's like 22nd in actual attempts. So it's not about, quali- uh, not about quantity, it's about quality. And I think that's kind of where he's at right now. So, yeah, he's playing his way into another contract, probably not with the 49ers, but also maybe bolstering his trade value because he's going to be one of those names that's real interesting to see when, when the offseason comes. That brings me to the next question as you were answering, because Michelle and I this morning were talking about who would be a good fit for Pittsburgh. Would it be Rodgers or would mm-hmm. it be Wilson? He's like the quintessential mm-hmm. stealer, isn't he? Yeah, and, and you know what? That's the interesting thing too. If you if you look at if you look at this quarterback market, what's going to happen in the off season? It's not just crappy teams that need quarterbacks like it usually is, you know. And it's going to be they're going to have teams like Pittsburgh and Denver, uh, you know, and possibly Seattle, uh, you know, New Orleans. These are Washington teams that are actual playoff contenders right now that might just need a steady hand at quarterback. And if you look at who's coming out in the draft. It's certainly not that good of a draft class. In fact, part of the reason the Niners traded up and got Trey Lance this year was because they were concerned that if Garoppolo gets hurt again this year, who's going to be the guy that they could get next offseason? So uh, you look at all those teams without with that, that are going to need quarterbacks that don't have great options in the draft, and then it's maybe you can go, maybe one of them could go get Aaron Rodgers, maybe one of them could go get Russell Wilson. After that, you could argue Jimmy Garoppolo is going to be the best quarterback available uh, via trade in the offseason. So I, I think he's going to end up in a pretty decent landing spot, and I wouldn't be surprised if the 49ers end up getting something decent for him and certainly kind of rehab his trade value this season. Nick, when we look at the NFC West, the Cardinals and the Rams are ahead of the 49ers. They are both at 10-4. and four. But when you look at the 49ers compared to those other teams, how do you think they stack up against the other teams in their division? Yeah, it's it's so funny because I was I was just having this conversation with somebody else who, who covers the, this division, and the the Niners own the Rams, the Rams own the Seahawks, and the Seahawks own the Niners, and then the card and then the Cardinals are like the placebo, like you know, like they're just like like the random thing that you don't know what's going to happen, and people are going to react based on what whatever they're feeling in their mind. That's kind of the Cardinals, but I, I think if you look at it right now. You know, there's a path for the 49ers still to win the division. It would take a lot. They would, they would need the Cardinals to lose out. The Niners would have to win out, and they would need the Rams to lose two out of three, including the Niners beating them in Week 18. But would that really surprise anybody? Yeah, I know that's a lot of stuff that I just said, but would that really surprise anybody if that happened? I, I don't think it would. So, um, and, and I still kind of think that at the end of the day, it's just going to be about which team is playing the best ball and is the healthiest going into January. And as it stands right now, the 49ers have a chance to be that team. You know, they're playing tomorrow night. This is going to be a tough game in, in Tennessee on a short turnaround, having to go across two time zones. But then they get kind of a mini bye week. You know, they haven't had a bye since week six. So they're going to get a chance to kind of heal up a little bit more. And then they finish with Houston and a Rams team that, again, they have dominated in recent years. So 
Um, I, I think they're in a pretty good position to, to come out of this, and it would be certainly wild and very indicative of what this season has been like if the 49ers somehow win the NFC West with a 2-4 and four division record, which isn't out of the question at this point. Nick, a couple of more quick things. Number one, uh, the 49ers lose Robert Sala, the defensive coordinator. He goes to the Jets. Kyle Shanahan has lost a couple of other assistants over the last few years, yet the team still appears to me to be really well coached. How much of that is Kyle Shanahan, go back to DV, saying, I'm, I want to coach my coaches? He seems like one of those guys. He, he absolutely is, and, and, and it's a good point because if you, look at, if you look at what they've done in terms of a lot of their replacements, and this, this past off season was really the first time that they've had turnover uh, with their coaching staff. And Kyle Shanahan pretty much almost exclusively hired from within. So he's elevating guys from, from lower positions. And he's always thinking in terms of that. And, and, and with Salah, it was a little different because you kind of knew for a couple of years that he was going to get a job at some point. It was just a matter of time. But still, he was still kind of nurturing those guys. D'Amico Ryan, who's the defensive coordinator now, is on a, on a fast track to become a head coach. And, and that's kind of an interesting thing, too, right, where – you know, Kyle Shanahan, known as this offensive mind, he could send two defensive coordinators to be head coaches within a span of, you know, three or four years, and nobody would be surprised. So um, I do think that speaks to how much he coaches his coaches and how much he puts into making sure that when he gets guys in, that they're doing things uh, in a way that can lead them to uh, eventually becoming a head coach. And finally, Nick, if you like football in the trenches, if you like old-school, hard-hitting football, Tomorrow night's probably your game, isn't it? Because the 49ers, I know the 49ers play Debo Samuel at running back a lot, but up front, both sides of the ball, they're super physical. And we all know yep. about Tennessee, they're super physical. It should be a fun game. Yeah, absolutely. I think that's kind of, this is going to be a huge test for the 49ers in that way because it will be a physical game on a short week, traveling across the country. And, you know, it's funny when I watch the Titans, you know, you, you think about what they did earlier in the season and how good they were potentially a Super Bowl team. And then you watch them over the last few weeks and it, looks a lot different. So just watching the last couple of games from the Titans, when I, when I compare the teams, I think this is a game the 49ers should win. But I also factor in that, you know, I just think it's, it's asking a lot on a few days' notice to, to go across a couple time zones and try to, to win a game. So I expect it to be a slugfest. But uh, this is a game, too, if the 49ers win it, they really put themselves in a good spot because they'd already be at nine wins. And then they have the Texans, which should be a win. Uh, they could potentially even have the playoffs wrapped up before that Week 18 game against the Rams and, and be able to rest some guys that week going into the postseason, depending on what the division looks like. You know, I don't miss losing football a lot here in St. Louis. One of the things I miss the most is our Saturday night road media dinners. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Well, you know, I kind of miss those too, even though I am on the road, uh, just because, of, <laughs> because of what the COVID situation right, is right yeah. now. But, yeah. uh, you know, I'm just I'm – just, uh, I will say that I, I feel very, very fortunate this year that schedule doesn't usually work out for me to be home for Christmas, but the Niners playing in Nashville on Thursday night before Christmas makes it very, very easy for me to hop a, hop a plane to STL on Friday and spend Christmas with my family. So I'll take, I'll take that victory anytime I can, even if it means a little lesser dinner on a, on a Saturday. Absolutely. Night. We always love having your feet on the ground in the area. Nick, thanks so much for the time, and uh, we'll be reading your great work, and we'll be watching the game tomorrow night. All right, appreciate it. Take care. Thank you. See you later. That's Nick Wagner. Does great work for ESPN. Covered the Rams here for both the Rams website and then ESPN, and then took over the the 49ers beat when the Rams moved to LA. Great work. You need to read Nick all the time if you're not already. Fun guy. Saved a phone for me one time. How? I was. We were in San Diego, and I rode. I was out in a cab somewhere. I don't know where I went, and. Uh, I dropped my phone in the cab, and the cab takes off, and I'm out, and I go up to Nick and say. 
I lost my phone. I think I left it in the cab. He says, here, let me call it. So he calls, and sure enough, the phone was in the back seat. Fortunately, I had it turned up, and the cab driver knew and came back right away and gave it back to me. Well, that was a nice cab driver. If I don't, yeah, it was a very nice cab driver. And if I don't see Nick out front, in front of the hotel, it's probably gone for the weekend. I probably wind up having to get a new phone. Which is such a hassle. But did the cab driver make you pay for the phone? Because a lot I, of cab drivers do that. I took care of him. Yeah. I, I, nice, Randy. Yeah, I wasn't going to. I wasn't going to just leave him hanging after he came back and gave it to me. So the, I, I probably slipped him a 20 or something. A 20? Yeah. Well, hey, it's he, 20 he was, more he, than he, he had He before. was only two minutes away. Yeah. So maybe less than a minute. He might not even have been out of the parking lot. It was a good thing that your ringer was up, too. Yeah, you're, you aren't kidding. Coming up, we're going to cross things over with Danny Mac as we head towards the Danny Mac Show with BK. That's coming up at the top of the hour here on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the Character and Smallman podcast on 101 ESPN. Time now for the crossover on 101 ESPN. For the Dan McLaughlin Show with BK. With BK, he's back. BK is back. Just uh, saw him in the office and said hello and congratulated him on his nuptials. And uh, BK is back today. Good, good to have him back and on the air here. Absolutely. All right, so the holiday season coming up. Yes, and sir. we got to know what's going on with Doug the dog. Uh, well, Doug's been hanging out with two fox in our front front uh, yard. <laughs> That's amazing. Two fox? Yeah. Foxes. Seriously. They're just hanging out. So I didn't, I didn't believe my wife. She said, Doug is, she said one night, two nights ago, she said, you got to keep an eye on Doug. I said, what's going on? And Doug is the friendliest dog. He is a, he's just a great dog. And everybody loves him. The mailman loves him. Hopefully the mailman doesn't love my wife. Um, the UPS guy, the, uh, sorry. Anyway, so <laughs> she said, common thing? well, I, Let's just, I, I digress. I need to move forward. So, um, anyway, and she said, Hey, I was trying to think of a line and I couldn't even know. Okay, I just, I, I pulled an Uncle Randy on that one. Yeah, I need I to move it. on. So, anyway, um, she said, Hey, keep an eye on Doug. He's hanging out with these fox. I, I said, well, That's not good. I said, That's, that's really not good. And sure enough, last night I peeked out there and there's Doug just kind of. They're just kind of all looking at each other, hanging out. So oh, is really? it like a neighborhood okay. gang or what? I don't know. I don't know what's going on, Michelle. But uh, he's very pleased with them, and they seem to be okay with him. And, hmm. you know, there's a friendship forged until somebody uh, starts getting their claws out. Do they wag? Do, are they, I haven't seen. Well, is Doug wagging his tail? He's happy. Okay. He's happy. I. He's a, he's a happy dude. So we had two young foxes that were playing throughout the summer in our backyard and they were just having fun and running around the, and we always got our dogs in when the foxes were out there well yeah but one of them found its way into our garage as i left work one morning and spent several hours in our garage and Mark joan freaked out yes totally yeah. so she calls critter control and it costs like 500 bucks and we got the the fox moved they moved it to i believe bowling green missouri so taken away from his mom, mm-hmm. which probably is, makes his mom unhappy at the holiday season. But, hey, don't go in our garage. That's the rule. Well, this is, uh, I believe, right now, maybe till middle January. It's kind of like a little trapping season in the state of Missouri. So I've been told. And uh, Fox would be on that list, I believe. Does it seem like Doug is the alpha in that crew? 
I can't tell really, Michelle. Uh, I just think he's a happy guy. I'm, I'm not sure he's overly bright. He just seems to be very happy. I walked in the other day, too, kind of late. I was working late doing something. I don't know if you guys knew I do a show on Fox 2 at 1030 on Sunday nights. When you said two Fox, I thought that's where we were going. No, no, that's good good tie-in, though. And uh, Doug was in his bed and by the front door, and he was laying, he was sleeping on his back with all four legs up and his tongue out. (laughs) That's great. And I said, what is your deal? And he just kind of looked at, put, you know, pulled his head up, made me an inch or two, and then, whoff, right back down. See, Dan, I think you can, well, heck... I am evidence that you can succeed by being friendly but not overly bright. I think that's what happens a lot in this business. <laughs> I I was at a place this morning, and the guy said, okay, it's $23, and you get 50% off with this Christmas thing. I said, oh, okay, so that would be, I mean, it took me a while, 11.50? He's like, yeah, Dan. And I was like, awesome. I said, that's why I'm in the business I'm in. Can't really... You go. Figure things out very quickly, but I could tell you what happened maybe in like a 2004 game in July. Right. I you, don't know. I, I also wanted to ask you because yes, you've sir. done a few of the Bragging Rights games, yeah. right? Uh, I have not. You've That's never done what. Bragging no, games? I, wow. I did the Slough Mizzou games, but I never did the uh, Mizzou Illinois. Now, I've been, it was a tradition of mine with a friend of mine in high school that had um, uh, a brother that was at Mizzou that would sleep out, camp out all night for mm-hmm. tickets. So he would get us our tickets. And we always had great seats uh, for the Bragging Rights game. I, I've, I, I think, I mean, last year I missed it. Obviously, it was down in Columbia and no crowd or whatever. And I think I maybe missed one other one, but I haven't missed hardly any. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, the triple overtime game. Yeah, that, that's the one that always sticks out to me. Me too. Uh, I just, the thing I always got a kick out of more than anything was the crowd. Um, the bands, I get goosebumps thinking about the bands going back yep. and forth. Uh, the cheerleaders so with, doing the stands. Yeah, doing that stuff. Yeah. Storm and Norman against Norman Lou, and Lou Henson was great. You know, those two guys chirping at each other. The triple OT game, I was like two rows from the bench. Wow. Because uh, so, the guys yeah. slept overnight to get the tickets, mm-hmm. so we got great seats. And um, anyway, those are the things I think of. I also think of Quinn Snyder getting popcorn dumped yeah. on him. I mean, by Mizzou fans, not Illinois ones. fans. Mm-hmm. Yes. Mizzou fans, they were the ones doing it. I also like seeing who's in the crowd. You always, you know, you'll see Ted Simmons probably, and Gary Pinkle, and Whitey Herzog, and John Sunvold, and they're picking out, you know, all these dignitaries from both schools. I, I just, and it's the Christmas season. I, it's just one of the best games of the year. Here's how big it was in the late '90s. Marshall Falk couldn't get tickets and went with Cronky. Had to sit with Cronky for a Is that right? Mizzou Illinois Poor game. Guy. Yeah, I know. I um. You know, you probably see Bill Laurie behind the bench mm-hmm. today, uh, tonight. Yeah, he's kind of back, isn't he? Oh, yeah, he's back. Yeah, he and Conzo, are, my understanding, have a very good uh, yeah, relationship. Good. I'd like to have him involved with the Mizzou program. I'd say it's an important one to have. Yeah. Yeah, He's he's got some, some money that could maybe help a programmer, 10000 Yeah, I would think them. so. Yeah. What do we have coming up on the Danny Mac Show? Let me grab my glasses. Okay, good. All right. I like the, Are those light-ups? No. They are light-ups. I love those. I didn't realize oh. that... Um, so the readers, I can yeah. I literally cannot read my phone anymore uh, without. So I travel with my glasses, and I went into um, Walgreens two weeks ago and grabbed like five pairs, not realizing that they're the light ups, and I couldn't figure out how to turn the light off. Oh, okay. So you got to just yeah, you, you figured it out. Yeah, now. you got to do the little thing on the that part. But, so when uh, Michelle and I used to do the pregame for the Rams at the dome, Louis they would Korak turn the lights off. Coming up. Oh, Louis Korak, yeah. right? Sorry. Uh, 
So they would they would turn the lights off for oh, introductions yeah. while our show was still going on, yeah. and I couldn't see anything. Nobody could see anything. So Sorry. Joan got me some of those one year for Easter, and so they're I, fascinating, I'm, I'm aren't dumb. they? Yeah, they're great. So you just turn the lights on, and you can see everything you need to see as you read towards the end of a Rams pregame show. I forgot about that. They would turn out the lights, and they would be doing the intros. It was so loud, we would have to yell. Mm-hmm. I uh, I need them for college basketball. So if you're doing yeah. an uh, an open live or or whatever, or they come out of the sometimes we tape an open because you'll be in the anthem and you don't want to disrupt that. So they're like, okay, now lineups, and they're still dark. And so now these glasses, what a find! Yeah, I, those. I are, wish I would have known that these things were there like 20 years ago. They're they're great. They really helped my life. Yeah. Uh, you will be with us on the show tomorrow morning? Yes, sir. Love that. Yeah. Good. We'll see you at uh, 7 a.m. It's going to be fun. Great yeah. job today by our producer and engineer, the one and what only What are we doing Andrew tomorrow? Marsh. We got anything uh, oh, well, you know, we'll special? We'll be talking about an Illinois victory, I think, yeah. off the top. It could be a rough morning Ooh. for Mizzou fans. Holiday talk, yeah. Could be rough, yeah. I mean, you got, really. I think Mizzou football is going to win. I hope so. Even without Beatty playing, which yeah. I have no problem with. Um, I don't either. No, if, hey, Army's lost four games. It's not like they're unstoppable or unbeatable. If you're from the SEC... You should, mm-hmm. you should probably beat Army. Yeah, right. And Navy. I, and I'm not disparaging Army. They're a very good team. I just think that you should win that game. And they're not favored. At last check, I think Mizzou was a five-and-a-half-point underdog. Right. Yep. Yeah. So thank you, Andrew. Yep, you're welcome. Michelle, this was fun. It was. I'll see you guys tomorrow. Oh, she'll be all oh, sh- giddy. Yeah. And- I got my socks on, Dan. Are you going to the game tonight? You better believe I am. Awesome. Awesome. We're going to get a full report from you tomorrow. Mm -hmm. We appreciate you tuning in, texting in, and being a part of the show. For all of us until tomorrow morning at 7, have a great day, St. Louis. That was the Carriker and Smallman podcast on 101 ESPN.